Friday, February the 4th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Some of you might catch this late Thursday, February the 3rd, as uh, we were able to get this one out a little bit earlier this week. The schedule, not really going to change. We'll still have our two shows a week, but the topics will change a little bit. There's no football to talk about this week for the first time in how long? We'll have our big Super Bowl previews next week. We'll get into all the props. We'll break down the game with Eric. We'll have a couple different guests on to talk all about uh, everything happening with the the Super Bowl and Super Bowl Sunday. But this week, no football. So we have a lot of horse racing instead. We're going to give you our normal This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper where we recap the Royal Rumble, talk about Monday Night Raw, NXT, and AEW Dynamite. Had a fantastic main event there with the CM Punk and MJF to finish up. So we'll have a Wrestling, normal this week in wrestling, but we're going to have Friday racing from Santa Anita, Friday best bets from Santa Anita, Friday full card, Sam Houston. we got to keep an eye on them, though, because the weather over there, it's not great. They canceled on Thursday, but it looks like they're going to try to run Friday. Saturday, two stakes at Aqueduct, we've got those two for you. Then at Tampa, Samantha Perry, who does some of the uh, work on the broadcast over at Monmouth Park, former jockey. She helps us out to talk the two Tampa Bay Downs turf stakes races for Saturday. Craig Milkowski joins me to discuss three of the stakes races at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Then I've got some best bets for Santa Anita for Saturday. I'm going to get into Sam Houston full card for Saturday. So for Saturday alone, we've got two races from Aqueduct, two races from Tampa with Samantha, we talk about three racers from Gulfstream with Craig. I'm going to mention a couple others at Gulfstream. And then best bets from Santa Anita, full card from Sam Houston. And then we'll finish up with this week in wrestling. On this episode, that's what G said. That is sponsored by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Free content over at BetterThan.Vegas. Live streams for football, basketball, soccer, Horse racing, any big events in the world of uh, of sports. We've had tennis recently. Every week we have a Saturday morning college basketball show called Cutting Nets at 7 a.m. There's pitches and pints. Anytime there's anything big happening in the world of football, soccer. We have Monday and Thursday live streams 30 minutes before the first race from Woodbine Mohawk to get you all set up for those harness races there to play the early pick five all sorts of incredible content there over at betterthan.vegas. They want to help you become a better better. Give them a follow on Twitter at btvbets. They have giveaways, free live streams, all sorts of great information from people all around the world that are sharing their insights with you. Everything free over at BTV. Well, we're going to jump right into the horse racing part of this episode and uh, before we do, We always got to play that little horse racing intro. Pony knowledge 
the Stable Duel app and play today. Stable Duel has a huge game on Friday night at Sam Houston. It's a they they moved it from Thursday because the Thursday card got canceled. So, it's a $50 entry and a $10,000 prize pool on Friday night. 50 bucks to enter, $10,000 prize pool. At Sam Houston, first post, 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to play other tracks on Friday, you've got Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Tampa that you can get involved in. Now, keep in mind, we have our weekly live stream every Friday morning. This weekend in Stable Duel, will Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears join me. We all give out best bets for Friday and Saturday Stable Duel contests. So, we're going to be talking Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Tampa, and Sam Houston for this weekend like Saturday with the Gulfstream Holiest Bull $75 contest, 15000 in cash prizes. You also have a $50 game at Santa Anita and a $5 game at Sam Houston. And then on Sunday, Gulfstream and Santa Anita are your options there for Stable Duel Games. Come join us. Set those alarms. Set your notifications on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. And at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, we will be going live. Nah, I figure out which tracks I'm going to play, which stable duel contest I'm going to enter. That's when we need those DRF formulator pass performances. I always talk about how that's the, the pass performances I use. It's a pass performance, you know, the research. How, what are you looking at to see all the horses' former previous races? For me, DRF.com. So right now they're offering you an incredible promotion. They're going to give you a huge first deposit bonus, and 10 free formulator cards. And then every time you wager another 50 bucks, you will get credit for a formulator card. So if you're betting with DRF bets, you will not be having to spend additional money for your past performances. That same money that you're using to bet, you will be able to use as credits towards past performances. Right now, go to DRF bets, sign up with the promo code winning. They're going to give you a $10 free bet. Then deposit 250 exactly, 250 bucks. They're going to match that right away. So you're going to have 500 bucks, and then your $10 free bet. They're going to give you 10 free formulator cards, and then every time you bet another 50 bucks, you're going to get another formulator card. I mean, boom. You're set now. You're set. Get the DRF.com, sign up for DRF bets, and check out that incredible promotion. That goes all the way through April the 15th. So you still have two months if you want to sign up, take advantage of that promotion, and then start stacking those formulator past performances. Start stacking those credits. Every time you bet another 50, boom, there's another card that you can go get the past performances for. In the coming weeks, if they don't expire, you stack them. DRF formulator. Let's get on into Friday racing. Let's start with some Santa Anita with uh, a couple plays for Santa Anita. Uh... Nothing too much. Or, I mean, the first couple races looked, I thought, like going to be pretty chalky. Moody Jim's probably going to be pretty tough in race number one. Race number two, we don't have the biggest field in the world. Not really anything that I can endorse in the third or the fourth. But in the fifth race, I like the one mischievous path. On December the 27th, mischievous path was in a race that was taken off of the turf. And it's the race on October the 9th that I, I really liked. When traveling well was inside, 
moved into contention, kind of shifted around, closed well late, going six and a half furlongs, a big gallop out. And the way this race shapes up, going a mile and an eighth, I have no concern with Mischievous Path getting the mile and an eighth distance, where with a few of these others, I'm not sure if they really want to go that far. I wonder if wilder than most with the presence of Bally's charm, if those two end up pushing each other a little bit. If they're both forwardly placed in here, it could set up nicely for someone to save all the ground, stock from the inside, and come a-rolling. You're going to go second start off the short break. You get back to the turf where she's obvious, he's obviously been at his best. And that last race going a mile, going long, it was, it was in a wet track off. It was kind of sitting in a fine spot and then just didn't go on with it. So just it looked exactly like what happens when a horse just doesn't get over a certain type of track. And that's what's happened... Both times Mischievous Path has been on the main. The number one Mischievous Path, if we can get anything around 6-1, to one, we'll make a win wager there. This horse is double that on the morning line. We move to race number seven. Optional 80 non-twos going a mile and an eighth on the turf course here. This is a fun race because they're, it's pretty evenly matched group. They're all going to take a little bit of support. But the two that I like the most in here are the four Dicey Mochara who can sit pretty close. And the six Awfully Naughty who has no concern, no getting distances like this, but he's got, he's kind of the opposite. He's more of a stone-cold closer, so he really needs things to go his way. He needs to get a, a good trip. Dicey Mochara hooks a field that has like no early speed in here. Evening Sun will probably be forwardly placed. Sash is going to be close, but then after that, I mean, Perfectionist is stretching out, so maybe they're a little more forwardly placed. It's not like they're going to be flying, and I think Dicey Mochara sits a perfect trip. Maybe third gets the jump on some of the deeper closers. Maybe gets the jump on flashiest. Gets the jump on awfully naughty. We'll lean towards Dicey Mochara if we can get, you know, maybe, and maybe that's the horse we lean towards on top if you get the better price, but I will include Dicey Mochara and awfully naughty 4-6 in those exotics there. Finishing up Friday over at Santa Anita. Let's get you to race number nine. Calbred, Phillies, three-year-olds going a mile on the turf course. I like the seven. Exactly Wendy, who is now going to stretch out to a mile. Two sprints to a route for this three-year-old Philly who debuted in a race against Open Company. Last time out, she was back in with, or she was back in, she was in with Calbreds. And she had a fine start. She was taken back, though. She kind of got shuffled even more on the inside. She was last of 10. And she had to angle around widest of all and really got going late. Should have set her up very well for the mile stretch out. Mario Gutierrez is struggling a little bit at the meet, though. He's aboard and uh, due for some of those minor awards to start turning into winners. The number seven, exactly Wendy, could be a late exotic single. I would make a win wager if we got anything over 3-1 to one there at Santa Anita. On Friday the 4th. So that's Friday for Santa Anita. Let's talk a little Friday for Sam Houston. Okay, so for Friday, Sam Houston, we have to be a little bit careful because they canceled the races on Thursday. Oaklawn canceled the races all weekend. There's huge ice storms all over the place. And then overnight, the weather for Thursday night says... Mostly cloudy with rain ending overnight. Areas of freezing rain possible low 28 Fahrenheit. Winds 15 to 28, uh, 25 miles per hour, 70% chance of rain. So you just got to be really careful 
when you're handicapping the Friday card. We'll know a lot more by the time you guys are listening to this, but I'm recording this earlier, you know, putting this segment together earlier on Thursday. So just keep in mind, I'm going to go a little quicker through the Friday Sam Houston just in case. I'll still give you all, all everything that we need, but just pay attention because in particular, you know, some of the grass races might not be on there and, and we just don't know. If it's hard to get around, they may not be able to uh, to race there. So the opener is an Arabian race. Now we're looking at February the 4th for Friday. And race number two, we've got 25 non-threes. I looked at the six-speed effect. I didn't look at the, Everybody's looking at the six-speed effect. It's the horse to beat. So I'm not. I'm probably not going to play all that much. I mean, if you want to play an early pick four, the five, everyone's probably going to single if you're trying to beat. So, you know, I just play pick threes in the next race. They're all the same low takeout. If you're trying to beat the six, the five battleship Bevo might be able to just be sitting in the right spot when the six stops. And then you got the one Coco Kokomo who should save all the ground and come running. So, yeah, nothing too crazy there in the second. The third at Sam Houston, I went to the four, Ms. Anna. Put a line through that last effort on October the 22nd. Two starts back was behind Quinella. Remember how well Quinella came back and ran against Stakes Company last week? Shout out to Jessica Paquette, who was all over that one, and I was annoying her. Quinella, Ella, Ella. Ella, Ella, A, A, A. So Mizana coming in off of uh, some really nice races. Look at those allowance tough spots that Mizana has been coming out of. Those are strong races over at Canterbury pre- previously. We look at the Deuce Doritas Heart, who's got some speed down on the inside. I mean, the game plan has to be to send hard. The five gambling train, I feel like it's the one to beat getting back to the turf. Last time we saw this gal on the grass, it was at Keeneland and Kentucky and some really tough, tough spots. I'm not as high on the six fetching. Who does have a win at a mile and an eighth, and it would be no shock, you know. But we'll, we'll take a ton of money in here. I was, was a lot more interested in four, two, five, maybe even the one Martz's May, who also uh, was another one who was behind Quinella last time out. Martz's May showed a little bit of speed. That was the first start in a few months. Should step forward off of that. Kind of battled. Now is the inside spot. Should be able to save some ground down there. Four, two, five, one. Tried to beat the six fetching there. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're playing exotics in and you're in the second race and you're singling the two speed effect, you can't go back to back just like chalk chalk. You have to try to beat you know some of them at some point. In race number four at Sammy Houston, going a mile on the main track here, just ask Joel. I thought was Joel. I always say Joel because Rosario now. Just ask Joel. Second off, good start. All six were bunched up within two. And this guy was in a little bit tight. He had to, you know, he was traveling really well in between, but he had to back out of a spot. And I thought it was a, it's a much better effort than it looks on paper when the winner wins that race by eight plus. Second off the short break, the five is going to be tough. The three off track. You can make excuses for the turf starts. And then the, uh, the race in December had not, you know, the December race on the main track was coming off of a long, long layoff. He's better than that. Now he's taking a big drop down in class, and you've got the six mule skinner. I like the five, though. Horse I could single in some of the uh, early exotics. We move to the fifth race, 15 non-fours, one mile on the main track. I'm going to go to the five eyes on red, who was sitting fourth, was traveling well, but was behind horses. Really nice race on the bottom of the page. At Sammy Houston, the seven need a better jock. Feels like the one to beat in here. I have them over. Uh, I'm going to use them in all exotics. The one and the three, 
I would use more underneath. They're going to take a lot of money, and I'm not as high on River Ruler or Dance Kingdom. In race number six at Sam Houston, 15 non-twos, five furlongs on the turf course there. I'm looking at the four, Honus. Honus is the only one, honestly, in here with any decent turf form whatsoever. Uh, you get to the outside, you've got Hog Wild, who has a couple solid races on the grass, and one that will be flashing a little bit of speed in here. Gradar's Dream has faced a ton better, and that's probably the one they'll all have to beat on just the class drop alone. 4-8-11 for me in race number six. As we move to race number seven, start of the late pick four there, I looked towards the seven, Dustum. That December 1st race, there were four next out winners. Uh, Union Station has won four in a row. Old Indian Trick back in November has won five in a row. Dustum is just coming out of such tougher races against open first level allowance. Now back in with the Texas Breds. I'm going to single the seven in some spots. The one in the five, uh, some of the others. The the five, Wits Takedo. Sort of a, a, a wild card horse who's actually run well previously at Sam Houston. They're trying to figure out where this horse belongs, and I just don't think they're going to be 20 to 1 for those connections. So maybe a good and a fun stable dual horse there to uh, include. Eighth race. Texas bred maiden specials for Phillies and Mares going a mile on the turf course there. The eight horse, Miss Crinkles. Mrs. Crinkles. Probably the one to catch in here. And one of the better in what we've seen on the grass, if they are to be on the grass, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this like they are on the turf. And then if there are changes and stuff, I'll, I'll post more on uh, on Twitter. But it's hard to project that far out. So I always just like to talk about the races like they are. And then if they're off, then you know we need to uh, to we need to make adjustments. We can the nine just Claire. Obviously, it comes in from Colonial and it just comes out of open comp- open company races. Honor given is super logical down there, and then because I'm divine. But the eight Mrs. Crinkles, this was a really super obvious race for me. I couldn't really get to anything creative. Maybe we can get to something creative in the ninth with Beer Empress, who had a good start, was three deep in between, was right on the lead, took back, and then was in a bad spot, had to steady back, just was really uncomfortable. I thought the race, you know, was a little more troubled than it looked on paper. The three, Beer Empress, will include the number two, Dream Pyre, is the one to beat. And the five, Redefinition, is uh, also going to be pretty tough coming in from Churchill and now in the Asmussen Barn. Closing it out at Sammy Houston, Maiden 15, Claimers, Texas Bread, Phillies and Mares. Phillies, three years old, actually. Six furlongs the distance. I thought the one, Kelly's Mandate in race number 10. Had a brutal start last time out. Had absolutely no shot. And it's, again, the Luzzy Caldwell connections that just continue to win. She's got a little more speed than it seems because two starts back, she was forwardly placed. That was in a race where she was facing the boys. So that was not an easy spot to be in. She had legitimate trouble last time out. She's going to put two starts together, and I think you're going to get a really good effort from her. Shares Texas Bling is the horse to beat. The 5 Sea of Life. Actually ran pretty well, had a had the lead at the, early in the stretch there before fading. And the nine, shining example. I'd actually stack them one, three, nine, five in race number ten to close it out on Friday at Sam Houston. We turn the page to Saturday. 
going to be looking at February the 5th races from all over the place. We'll start with Aqueduct. Just two stakes races that I wanted to discuss, and the first one is not even one that, that we can bet, but good luck to JMS Stables with Happy Medium, who's going to be a heavy, heavy favorite there, trying to win the fourth in a row. Just has to prove that she can stretch out that speed to seven furlongs, but she'll be very, very tough there in the grade three I keep saying she, happy medium. He will be very, very tough there in the grade three toboggan. So good luck with happy medium. Happy medium is going to be very tough there. The Withers is the eighth race. Mile and an eighth at Aqueduct. And I thought Gilded Age was a horse that was worth including. Look at who Gilded Age has, has faced. So he did not run well and six and a half furlongs. Off a little slow Came back And that was in August Came back in September Again Did not show much Going a mile in the 16th In October at Keeneland A little bit more At least Got involved Had had some trouble that day Then the blinkers came on On November the 19th And boom Was asked for some speed Ended up 8th Was last After a spill at the start Was about 6-7 lengths off Moved inside And then Tipped out three wide, up and around, took the lead at the top of the lane. It was a really nice win. And then you dig into the races before that. So in his career debut, he runs into Major General, who is two for two, won the grade three Iroquois next out. The fourth place finisher in that race also was a next out winner. On September the 23rd, he runs into a horse named Rattle and Roll. That's the grade one breeder's futurity winner. Third place finisher in that race, Ignitus, came back to win a maiden special weight next out. Really good group. On October the 9th, he runs into Giant Game, who we're going to see in the Holy Bull on Saturday. Giant Game was third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Call Me Midnight, who was second in that race, came back to win next out. Call Me Midnight just won the LeCompte last weekend. So, you've got a horse who faced some really nice, sharp, good, good two-year-olds who have all... Flattered the form Gilded Age put the blinkers on One as soon as the blinkers came on and I mean I don't know Who scares you in this race Who terrifies you Cook Creek is fine I mean early voting Yeah it was fine winning first time out of the box Constitution Lawyer Showed some improvement last time out Curvossier Winning the Jerome and you know Has been good Nobody terrifies you here Gilded Age it's a little something. Might need to get some pace because he's not exactly fast. But Gilded Age has kept some very good company. We'll be using him in all exotics there into the withers. If we can get over you know, anything around 6-1 to one or so, I'll make a win wager there on Gilded Age. So that's Aqueduct for Saturday. We are now going to get into some Tampa Bay Downs. For Saturday, and Samantha Perry is going to join me to discuss the two stakes races at Tampa Bay Downs on Saturday. We're going to talk races six and eight. Samantha does the does some work over at Monmouth Park on the broadcast. She's a former rider. She tells us a little bit about herself, and then she helps us handicap those two races. We're going to hear first about one of our sponsors, and then we're going to get into Tampa Bay Downs stakes races for Saturday. So you want to set the mood? Something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Sense for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. Dot com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 
10% off. Mm -hmm. We've got a big stakes weekend of races all around the country. So we have a couple different guests joining us to help us out with uh, with focusing in on certain circuits and certain tracks. And this is going to be a first time guest here on That's What G Said. Through uh, mutual friends, I was able to get connected with Samantha Perry, who is going to join us now and help us handicap a couple Tampa Bay Downs turf stakes races for Saturday. Samantha, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? Doing really, really well. So thank you for joining us. You and I are both mutual friends of Chris Griffin, who's calling the races over at Parks. And we started talking a little bit and with uh, with more of these big weekends coming up and with football winding down, I'm definitely going to be having a lot more racing content. So I'm very lucky to have you join us. And uh, for those of the people out there who may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I always love asking how people got into racing because racing's kind of a little unique it's there's always usually a story or you know tell us a little bit about how uh, how you came to to be in racing and some of the stuff that you've done yeah so I came from a family who has nothing to do with horse racing so I was a little bit of an oddity uh considering most of the people in racing they're they're born into it but um I was always around horses they stuck me on a horse before I could even walk um, I have always just uh, had them in my life. I barrel raced and I rodeoed for a long time um, while I was a kid to when I got into high school. And I kind of got a little bit of the need for speed and um, just started working at some farms. I actually started out with the quarter horses. That was my first love were the quarter horses. And uh, I decided I, I wanted to race. And uh, my parents said, you know, that's fine, but finish college first. So all through college, I was galloping horses. I went to college in Oklahoma. So I was actually, Rivington was my home track. And I would gallop for the thoroughbred meet and the quarter horse meet because the thoroughbred meets are in the fall. The quarter horse meet was in the springtime. So I just kind of got to stay year round. And um, I worked for Steve Asmussen during the thoroughbred meets and, and they taught me a lot. That's a great barn to learn from. They really took me under their wing. Um, the assistant Darren Fleming there, he just, he does a great job. And then the quarter horses uh, were a little bit different as far as training and whatnot goes, but I really kind of fell in love with them. And I decided, um, you know, that was kind of what I wanted to focus in on. So a week after I graduated college, I won my first quarter horse race at Remington Park. Really cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. And right after that, I moved to Riadoso and I, I spent the summer racing uh, in Riadoso. And then I went to Zia Park and uh, got pretty lucky. I, I was working, I was riding for a trainer. Her name is Donna MacArthur. Um, I actually think now she's in the Riadosa Hall of Fame, which is kind of cool. Um, and we got lucky with a, a two-year-old and uh, we qualified for the Hobbs America Futurity, which is a grade three. And I wow. ran fourth in that. So wow. it was really fun. Yep. It was a, a cool thing. And um, kind of got out of racing professionally and I was galloping for Brennan Walsh and then got into broadcasting and I worked with uh, Acacia and Ron at Gulfstream Park this time last year. I was actually working cameras. <laughs> I was um, just like filming the races nice. and yeah and I decided like you know what I think I kind of want to be in front of the camera. This is kind of fun and um, they helped have- me out a lot Ron and Acacia and I got a job with Mammoth uh, last summer so that's where 
I've been and um, just doing things here and there. Of course, like we said, Chris has helped me out a lot with making some connections. And I love talking about racing. And so that's what I'm here to do. It, it's great. You have a, a nice perspective as someone who knows horses very well and yes. who, someone who has been around in different capacities, too, on the like on the inside of racing and then on the broadcast stuff. And I love that. Um, I, when I worked broadcast uh, in broadcasting at TVG, I was, I came in as a PA and I really think it's great to be able to kind of be in front of the camera and behind the camera, oh, yeah. both, both roles, right. Just to be able to understand what goes, you know, when you're in the production, once you be once you go on camera, you kind of, you have a feel for some, the people who did the cameras, you oh, know, and, and that sure. kind of stuff a little more, right? Yeah. It's so crazy. Like I was thinking, so this, I just, I got back from the Pegasus this past weekend and, um, that this, this is my third year in a row, but four years ago, uh, I was watching gun runner from my couch. And then the next year I was at Gulfstream. I was a PA for Acacia that day at the Pegasus. And then the year before, the year after that, I was working cameras. And then this year I got to do some work with um, America's Best Racing and Dan, uh, those people over there. So each year I've kind of just leveled up a, a little bit more. <laughs> awesome. It's yeah. exactly what we, we strive for. You keep working hard and hopefully you can keep kind of checking things off the bucket list and, and keep moving on up. Yep, exactly. And I got to miss the, the snowstorm in New York, New Jersey last weekend. So that was a win for me. So that's where you're, ba you're based right now? In, uh, in New Jersey. Yep. Okay. Yep. Great. I'm here. We, we start racing back at Monmouth uh, on March or May 7th. So Kentucky Derby day, but just doing some freelance work um, here and there. And, uh, you know, just anything I can get my hands on. I, I like to be a part of, especially when it comes to racing. Well, we're very lucky that you uh, were able to take a few minutes out to, to join us. And it's, it's a cool time of the year now because we're starting to get to the point where, like we're getting all these Kentucky Derby preps and Kentucky Oaks preps each weekend. Mm -hmm. Feels like every week there are so many really good tracks running right now too. We you know like this weekend alone there are stakes races at Santa Anita, Aqueduct, Tampa. Uh, they had to cancel Oaklawn Park. There's a huge card again at Gulfstream Park. Um, mm -hmm. I love the racing at Sam Houston. I'm always talking about that. It's it's a really good time with a lot of good tracks running. I know it is. And did they cancel Sam Houston or just today? They canceled Thursday. You and I are recording Thursday night. They looks like for Friday and Saturday, they're fingers crossed right now. I think they said they're going to cancel training in the morning, but they're going to attempt to run at night because the weather does look like it's going to get a lot warmer into the next couple of days. But oh, ooh, good. The ice. I, I'm out here in Southern California, so when I see that that snow and those ice storms, it's like a different world to me. Oh, like gosh. I don't even, I don't, I don't even know that that exists. But lucky you. Hopefully, everyone will stay safe out there because it is a, a pretty crazy weather weekend all around the country. So we'll we'll look over to Tampa Bay Downs to talk about a couple good turf stakes races out there. Oh, yeah, Samantha, and um, we're gonna. For those of you who want to follow along with us, we're looking at February the fifth for Tampa Bay Downs, and we're gonna look at races six and eight. Uh, first up in the sixth race, it's the grade three endeavor for Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and upwards. And wow, I thought, you know, some really, really nice, talented, sharp horses in here. You've got Bleaker Streak for Chad Brown, who's undefeated. Lady Spitespear was supposed to run 
on the Gulfstream card last yes, weekend. Last weekend, yep. Scratched out of there for this spot. That's a really talented animal. Right next door is Stunning Princess, who's very good. In Italians, done nothing wrong at all in the last couple. You can go up and down. Oyster Box, like, hard to really knock what this filly has done. Just yeah. some quality, quality animals in this group. It really is. And I actually like uh, the Endeavor more than uh, the Tampa Bay Steak. I, I feel like it, these fillies and mares in here it's just so deep and like you said uh that lady spate spate spear which i love that name um her damn lady shakespeare so they just kind of played on that with spates town uh she's a multiple graded stake winner only she's got four out of five wins so she's just been extremely impressive i was really looking forward to seeing her in the flesh this past weekend but like you said they opted to run her here, which I think it's a logical spot. I think that mm -hmm. she could have very well won last weekend in the field that she was with, but she's just getting a, a slight class relief here, and maybe we'll get to see her come on. I mean, I would not be surprised if we saw her in the Breeders' Cup at the end of the year. She's really nice right now, and uh, it's even her her in defeat. It's really tough to knock. You know what you're going to get from her. She's going to be forwardly placed. She's got that good tracking speed, and so I think you know anyone playing uh, exotics and stuff. She's she's set for the third start of her form cycle, so she should be ready for an even better effort and probably the best effort of her career. Like you said, it's probably a little softer spot than she was in, and she's. She's shown that she can sit off a little bit if somebody else wants to go a little too quick early. So she's yes. pretty hard to knock. Yeah, she is. And as far as pace shaping up for the race, you know, when you're looking at the form, you see a lot of horses that have won on the lead here. But you have to pay attention to the fractions because... Yeah, they were in the lead the whole time, but it really wasn't a quick lead like some of these uh, other horses had. Like Nantucket Road, the number one, uh, that horse rattled off some quick fractions the last out, but that was on the dirt. So you kind of wonder, then you go three back whenever the horse, when she had ran at a Woodbine, and um, she set off slow fractions, 25, 50, 114. Like, it just really wasn't. I, I think the biggest pace player in this race is going to be the number seven in Italian. That's mm -hmm. one of two Chad Brown trainees in the race. And I was actually, before we hopped on this, I was watching uh, this filly's works at uh, Payson Park. And this is a filly that is just very keen like on the bridle big time just was kind of fighting with their exercise rider they gave her a little break last year they brought her back at the beginning of the year with which chad brown he's very good with horses off the layoff and i love the second off the layoff angle that's one of my favorite angles to play but i think that she just got an easy lead last time but mm -hmm. she might set it up just perfect for the number three and um in italian is sharp right now very quick and and like you said, you look at the Nantucket Road speed. Well, Lady Spatespear, when they raced against each other, Lady Spatespear was actually pretty easily in front of her uh, yes. up at up at Woodbine too. I think she's one that's that's you know going to dictate a lot of it. There's a, an interesting sort of price horse that I'm I'm looking at, and anyone that's playing like multi race exotics or maybe a, a definitely at least in an underneath horse is uh, Morning Molly. Now, Morning Molly was very good at one point. You saw Morning Molly a couple times up at, at Monmouth Park yes. uh, last summer. And she just she wasn't in very good form at that point. She ran behind Vigilante's Way a couple times. Right now, she's thrown in you know three kind of clunkers all in a row. But her June race was followed by a little bit of a layoff. She came back, 
she raced in August, and then she didn't race again till December. That race in December going five sort of felt like a prep race to set her up for going a little longer. She's run some of her best races here at Tampa in late 2020 into the early middle part of, of 2021. She was getting really good. You see um, even a race behind Warlike Goddess, which you can make a legitimate excuse for. Mm-hmm. I think she's kind of a price horse where – is she the most likely winner in this race? Absolutely not. But she's kind of a fun one that I'm going to throw into some exotics at a bit of a price. Is there anyone else in here? You know, we talked about Lady Spites beer. We talked about sort of the speed. Who are, you know, maybe anyone else that either uh, struck your fancy or you could maybe make a case for underneath uh, or in exotics? Uh, you know, the Gargan horse, the number four stunning princess. Yep. Danny Gargan yep. always has those fillies super sharp and she was beaten by uh, or actually she beat lady spate spear mm-hmm. so i think that that this is going to be interesting especially if they get a hot pace up front i think that stunning princess can close very nicely off of if they depending on who sends and how quick an italian can possibly go on the front end i think that that one could be pretty tough and then somebody who just is you can't leave off a lot of times in Florida. Safi Joseph with the number five, Katama yep. Moonlight. This horse is second off a layoff. Was pretty speedy at Gulfstream Park on the 10th, just going that flat mile. But, you know, you never know what you're going to get there because the, the turf at Gulfstream Park is a lot different than the turf at Tampa. I prefer the turf at Tampa a little bit better. So it's hard to really gauge if it was that quick of a race then it would be transferred over at Tampa. We're talking here with uh, Samantha Perry about this sixth race, the grade three endeavor at Tampa on Saturday. And that was the other horse I was going to mention. I'm glad that you did uh, oh, stunning okay, princess, great. which is funny because she was a little unlucky too. She kind of got bumped and forced a little bit wide and she was trying really, really hard throughout. She's another one you were mentioning. I'm I'm always a big fan of, second off and then the third off you know i just feel like they're going to yes. be able to continue to improve step forward with that second off the bench and then the third start of the form cycle too with stunning princess morales which wins a ton of races here at tampa oh, yeah. so yeah i think that that Gulfstream december 26th race is one that we seem to, to be pretty big fans of as far as a key race for this race you know yes. those two that come out of yeah I, and the number that. four stunning princess you know, it was she had a lot up against her last out at Gulfstream, drawing the one hole, and then she ended up, you know, like you said, in a, that her trip just swinging out as wide as she did, and still just getting beat by half a length. It it was just very impressive the way that she did it, and I feel like that says a lot about her as a filly, just kind of maturing and being able to be in tight on the inside, and then still being able to have that confidence to make a run. I like the four for her in this spot, so it could set up nice for her. Yeah, a lot of different directions to go in here in a field of 10, that lineup for the Grade 3 Endeavor. Uh, We have another graded stakes race that we're going to talk about at Tampa in race number 8. It is the Tampa Bay. They're going to go a mile and a 16th on the turf course there four-year-olds and upwards and in this race i think we'll uh we'll probably see a a good amount of support coming for the chad brown runner towards the outside devamani anytime you know you get a chad brown horse showing up in a graded stakes they're probably going to and devamani who you saw most recently winning the uh the monmouth cup over in uh in june yes and it was a very impressive 
when the horse looked great in the paddock, I just was going back through my notes from when I had seen him last and he did nothing wrong at all. And it was just a perfect, kind of a perfect race. But when I went back and I was just looking at that, that race uh, scratched down to a small field and kind of some of the bigger players that I thought were going to heavy hitters, I should say, in that Mammoth uh, grade three stake, I thought we're going to, it ended up being a little bit softer than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, it was a super impressive win, a hundred speed fire if you're looking at uh, DRF, but I just wonder how much he beat whenever he did it. Now he's mm-hmm. eight years old. He's made over a half a million. You can't knock him for much. And uh, I understand the layoff that, I mean, what is left for him to prove? You know, he's a gelding. There's just, there's just not much of him. And I do like Chad Brown off the layoff, but I kind of wonder if his better days are behind sure. him here. Sure. And if he's a short price, he may be yes. worth playing against in this spot. Exactly. Too. That, yes. That's, that's the key. So, who are some of the other horses that you are uh, you are looking at, or who are some that uh that you want to be throwing into exotics or maybe playing? Oh, I love the number seven got smoking. Yeah, uh, the reigning champion of this race last year, just a five year old gelding. He can be pretty quick too. He was running up, so we haven't seen him since Belmont at the end of June. But look at who he was running against. I mean, Alexandra, she was incredible, raging bull. Like this horse has not. <laughs> had it easy the mm-hmm. last five outs just everything domestic spending smooth like straight goofo like some of the greatest like turf horses that we've been seeing right now especially in the male division this got smoking was running against this horse obviously likes tampa i mean he's only had one star one win here i love the post position for him i think that he spotted very well for this race mark cassie does a great job and this horse is coming from Ocala and I really like the operation that Mark Cassie runs at his Ocala training center. So I think that this horse could be really sharp four to one. I, I don't mind that. I think he'll actually be a bit higher than that when it comes down to it. I think he's a great play in here. If you're playing any sort of rolling exotics, I think he's a must use with that type of speed because if, if he gets out front, he could be very, very tough to catch similar in the last race you were talking about the the speeds there are a couple that have some kind of positional kind of pressing speed but Mm -hmm. if he breaks well and gets out front he's the quickest oh for sure and it'll just be hey how far does he want to take him if he's comfortable and ready to go i think he's uh he's going to be really tough to leave out right next door to him is uh, another uh chad brown runner we were talking about devamani uh el imperador was in a little bit of traffic early on, was chasing lone speed last time out. That was in the Fort Lauderdale. So that was in a solid grade two over at Gulfstream Park behind Doswell. He was actually favored um, in that race, the uh, the French bred El Imperador. Yes. So I'm, I'm probably going to throw him, Samantha, into some tickets. And then for a longer price, I know he's going to need to step up a little bit, but Cheryl Spade. He it's pretty tough to knock his overall turf form. He still got a little bit of upside. He only has four career races on the turf. One of them was a uh, a grade one in the Woodbine Mile in just his third career start when he was not even four to one. He was that uh, heavily backed in the the grade one Woodbine Mile. Came yes. back and again ran into you know nice horses there behind proven strategies and Lucky Curlin. And then his recent race was his second start back. He got a good trip. He won. He's going to have to improve a little bit. He's going to have to step up, but he'll give you a good run for your money because he's got a nice sort of tracking style. He shouldn't be too far out of it. He'll probably sit, you know, third or fourth. And if he's good enough, he'll 
know, turning for home, he'll be right in the mix and maybe pick up a slice. Yeah, he really might. And Roger Adfield, he's making some good calls as far as where he's putting these horses in. So he obviously saw enough from him and his last out at Tampa on January 15th. Now, the only thing, like my hard, my most difficult decision when looking at this race were a lot of these horses are coming off of much longer. I don't want to say much longer, but longer races than this, just a mile and a 16th. Um, they've been running a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter. So it was kind of hard for me to make a decision based off, okay, who's going to like the mile and a 16th here coming out of the shoot and making the full lap around the track and a lot of these horses are coming out of that Fort Lauderdale stake that grade two that Doswell won and I was not a huge fan with how Doswell ran last Saturday mm -hmm. in the Pegasus World Cup turf I, I mean Colonel Liam what an incredible course you know and so you can't how good could Doswell run in that type of race who he was running against but I just I don't know if that says something about some of these horses coming out of Doswell's sure. race and that's my biggest concern with the number six uh, as just coming out of that race, but I, and like English B as well. This is a horse that um, back in August at Colonial, I loved that race that he had won. Grand Motion obviously does an incredible job with these turf horses, but again, coming out of the Doswell stake. And I, I just, I, I worry just about how those horses are going to, prove themselves after seeing the performance that Doswell did uh, in the Pegasus World Cup turf. Samantha, as we finish up with this Tampa Bay race, are there any other uh, horses that uh, you want, you'd want to mention long shots or anything intriguing at all? We, we both agree. I think get smoking is no doubt the horse to catch and, and an absolute must use. I, I kind of mentioned one of my longer prices and uh, I, I, I agree with you in that I, I don't mind El Imperador overall, but I didn't think that much of that Fort Lauderdale in particular. And then what Doswell did since. So I'm not sure like that group kind of throws me off them. Um, any other horses worth mentioning in here? In this race? No, not any that I can see. I do like the number three eons just a little bit that this horse was barely beaten by get smoking in the Tampa Bay last year. And they've taken this horse quite a bit of different ways. Uh, most recently in the grade three of Woodbine. I do like horses coming from Woodbine. Of course, that was in August and was a very far back beaten favorite. But I think that uh, Arna Delacour does a really good job with his horses. And uh, I think that uh, this horse likes Tampa Bay all right. So I think that Eons might be at a little bit of a price might be all right to throw in there. Awesome. Samantha, really, really appreciate this. I, I've seen um, and, and I've, I think I've seen some of your stuff before, but like anything, until you ever talk with someone, you never know how it's going to go. And you did such a yeah. great job. You were, oh, you were well, awesome. I'm always like, whenever it's someone that I haven't talked to for the beginning, I'm just like, I don't know if someone's going to be nervous or I don't know what's going to be like, but you were just like, I never had to worry. As soon as we started talking, you were, you were great. And I'd love <laughs> to have you back as often as you would be like, you know, any, every couple of weeks or a couple of month, uh, a month or so leading into your meet. And then when, when you have some big days coming up over there, I'd love to bring you on to help preview some of those and we can really oh, pump yeah. those up for you. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So where can we, uh, if you have any social media or anything, any kind of work coming up, any content you want to pump at all, let us know anyone uh, that wants to find out more about you, where can we do so? Yeah, mostly on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at Samantha G Perry. I post a lot of stuff on there related to horse racing. If it's not horse racing related, it's usually Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. 
So, okay, nice. Yeah, those well, are my this Alexander fan, huh? Yes, yes, big time. So, uh, yeah, and I I try to post some picks that I have, especially when the Mammoth meet comes out. I do uh, live picks and whatnot. But uh, of course, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast, and uh, hopefully, we get lucky this weekend. Exactly. Let's make some money this weekend, everybody. Go give Samantha a follow there, and uh, we'll be linking up again really soon. Good luck in all of your plays this weekend. Hopefully, the weather stays okay for you over there. Probably not. Uh, you'll probably be jealous of the weather for me out here. Yeah, compl- I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm complaining. It was like 40 last night and I oh, was like not moving. On. And I'm like looking around at everybody else. I'm like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not yep. say anything because people won't want to like the California prima donna boy. So I'll, I know. I'll stop it's talking. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Enjoy it for all of us in the cold, please. <laughs> Will do. And we're all going to go give Samantha a follow right now on social media. Thank you so much and have a great weekend. Thank you. You as well. Do not go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. It was very nice to touch base with Samantha. She did a great job there. Make sure to go give her a follow on social media and check out all of the work that she has. We'll get her back here again soon to talk more races with us. So in that sixth race, I was looking at Stunning Princess to use in a lot of exotics. Morning Molly, I will play if I can get anything around 8 to 1. Oyster box, I will use. Lady Spatesbeer is the one to beat there. I mean, yeah, obviously Bleecker Street's going to be, you know, a, a horse who puts two together and is going to get some some action. But Stunning Princess, Morning Molly will be the two that I build most of my exotics around. And Lady Spatesbeer will be uh, all over the place. And then in the eighth race, I was looking towards really a group of three. Cheryl Spate, El Imperador, and Get Smoking are the ones that I will use in all sorts of exotics there at Tampa in the 8th race over on Saturday. So, big thanks again to Samantha Perry for helping us out. Go give her a follow there on social media and uh, show her some support. Let's get to Gulfstream Park. We're going to talk with Craig Milkowski about the Swale, the Forward Gal, and the Holy Bull, but there were a couple other races I wanted to discuss. We'll talk about them right after that. So we'll bring on Craig. We'll talk uh, those three stakes races with Craig. And then following that, I'll recap those and I'll give you a, a couple other plays for the Saturday Gulfstream Park card. Up next, from Time Forum US, Craig Mokowski. Got a big weekend coming up at Gulfstream Park. And there are, I think, five stakes races, uh, five or six. But we're going to talk about three of them, all three of them that have some important implications moving forward for either the Kentucky Oaks or the Kentucky Derby because two of them are races where we could end up seeing horses in the Derby down the line. One of them were a race where we could end up seeing uh, fillies in the Oaks down the line. So we're going to talk about the Swale. We're going to talk about the Forward Gal and the Holy Bull with one of uh, our good friends and someone who is one of my favorite people to talk about racing with. You've heard him on this show many, many times from Time Forum US. You, uh, you listen to his great work and the the, the pace cast and all the, the stuff that he does with Dave at Aragona talking about Craig Milkowski. How are we doing, Craig? Oh, we're doing good. Always happy to join you, particularly the day after my thunder. Have a nice win over uh, the heated Dallas Mavericks. So it, it's a good time here. We're we're buried in snow in Oklahoma City, so I had nothing better to do today. I tell you, right now, if I could just I would much rather root for your team than my team in bas- in basketball. Man, I I would just like it, they're just not the Lakers are just so not fun to root for like this group and and ha- like this team that's put together and you know you always have these expectations and so then when they don't that that's that's what it comes down to for I think the situation that you're in it's just in a spot where you just aren't ever really expecting all that much and so it's really nice to see some of these young guys 
like overachieving. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, you know, it's kind of nice, no pressure. I'm like you when when the Thunder, when Kevin Durant left and we kind of had the Paul Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo teams, even though, I mean, they, they did okay, especially in the regular season. They stunk in the playoff, but they were horrible to watch. I, I, I almost didn't even like going to the games, uh, but th- this is a lot of fun. The Thunder have a lot of good young talent. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the beginning. Now, I'm not saying they have Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Kevin Durant on the roster because they don't. But they, they have some really good young players and they're a fun team to watch with little expectations. They're, every now and then they throw a, a clunker out there and you're reminded that they're a very young team without any real big talented guys. Uh, but, you know, most of the time they play really hard. I think if you check their record against the spread, it's probably really good. Uh, so they're fun to watch. This is kind of a time of the year too, with you know just the Super Bowl left to be played. Where the from like a national standpoint, a lot of the sh- the focus will start to shift to the NBA and to the NCAA basketball with March Madness. You know, just a month away, and then even horse racing, like we'll be talking now, is it, it ends up being like every weekend a different track has their big weekend, their big Derby preps. You know, their next round of uh, Oaks preps, and so. For us this weekend, Craig, uh, it is Gulfstream Park that looks like they're going to be staying out of the weather Because I know where you are, you're dealing with some weather Sam, we're recording on Thursday, Sam Houston already canceled Thursday Oakland already canceled all weekend Lots of snow, lots of ice storms, lots of wet weather all over the country Yeah, it's pretty nasty here Uh, It's not just, I mean, we're buried in snow It's sub-zero wind chills So uh, it's not a lot of fun here right now But good chance to get caught up on work Get to know my four dogs a little better. Who you know they're in, they're indoor dogs, but they're not indoors twenty four seven like they are now. So uh, yeah, little, we're getting up cutie. close and personal with them. Yeah, so quality time with everyone, and uh, plenty of time for us to look at and play the races over uh, in Florida this weekend on a really good Holy Bull card. So Craig, let's start with uh, the Swale, which is race number five on Saturday. The Grade Three Clairborne Farm Swale going to go. Seven furlongs on the main track here Now it's not a big field But it's a pretty contentious group But you know you have like four or five pretty nice Three year olds in here who have all shown Some ability so I mean I don't know If we're going to be looking at any Kentucky Derby winners in here but As far as horses that could be pretty Nice three year old sprinters or maybe One turn horses throughout the year or Who knows I mean early on they're just some Pretty pretty quality animals in this spot it is. I, I'm with you. I don't know that we have any real derby horses in here, but I, I'm sure we have a, some pretty good sprinters. And, and as you said, I don't think it's a layover. When I first saw the entries and saw my prankster, I kind of figured out oh, there's a six to five shot. It's Me too. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be tough to beat because he's basically winning everything he enters. But I'm not so sold on this one. This is a race that if I'm playing uh, horizontals, I would definitely spread a bit. Um, but I don't love Mr. Prankster in here. His speed figures are just okay. And I think there's some others that, that'll offer some more value. And, and the one I land on, and not that he's a bomb because he's only five to two on the morning line, is in dreams. Mm-hmm. And he just looks like he's going to be all out there by, by himself. And yeah. to me, that's always dangerous. He's reeled off some really nice wins. Granted, one was in the maiden claimer, but that was $150,000. Maiden claimer race and his last race when he moved into allowance race he ran just a a number that's good enough to win this race so I would start my race with him 
He beat <clears throat> two legitimate horses in that race also Which I, I like to see He beat a horse named Chasing Time Who came back to win a first level allowance Next time out And that's a really nice looking uh, like three year old prospect And the third place finisher in that race Came back to win an allowance race next out With an 87 buyer speed figure So I, I agree with you I kind of started this race with in dreams He showed some speed in between And he just kind of crushed He dealt with a little bit of inside pressure But uh, he also showed that he could sit off I don't think he's going to have to in this race But it it doesn't seem like Anyone's just nearly as quick as him Naturally, I like his draw And, and the fact that Mr. Prankster is drawn down towards the inside If they try to get aggressive That could end up putting them in sort of a bad spot Yeah, it could, I don't know what these Buyer speed figure things are you're talking about I'm right. not, No, right. I'm, just, I'm just kidding with you. I, I'm actually, I'm friendly with Andy Buyer, we work for the same company uh, But I, I really don't Look at them very often No, no. I mean, I'd I'm not, them. yeah More but, so but just no, kind of, yeah Yeah, what you say is right, uh, both winners have come back to win Running basically the same speed figure So I think in Dream Speed Figure is uh, pretty legit. Uh, the other horse I would consider in here, one that's going to come from off the pace, is uh, the horse just to his inside, Dean Delivers. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran a decent speed figure last time. He did it pressing a, a race that didn't have a whole lot of pace in there, so he kind of had to make an early move. He couldn't quite get by the winner. Dean's List at the end, who I think is another pretty good sprinter for Todd Pletcher. I'm a little bit surprised that he's not in this race, but... He's one that I'd be looking for to maybe juice up an exacto within dreams. I agree with you. He would be my other horse. Com- completely agree. He had some trouble. He kind of hit the gate right away too. He was and he was last in a small field. He had to go up on the outside three wide at the top of the lane, and he was right on even turns. And then he got a little bit tired. It was his first start since July. He had every right to get a little bit tired and to probably need that race. And yeah, he feels like he's in a in a good spot. And I'm. I was disappointed with graphic detail last time out. You know, I was I thought his debut race was pretty good and and I was expecting him to take a step forward last time. Now he did run into simplification who we'll see in the Holy Bull and, and there wasn't a lot of pace there, but he's going to really need to step up, I think to to maybe compete with the two that we mentioned and then the two that that sandwich him in this race with my prankster and even of a revolution right next door. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of his. I didn't like that last effort. Uh it seemed like the stretch out to a mile would would help him a bit. He didn't get a lot of pace, but I, I'm just not sure what to make of him. I don't think turning back to seven furlongs is the biggest sign of confidence from his trainer, Bill Mott. Uh, he seemed like a horse who maybe would want to go longer uh, after that first start when he closed into a pretty quick pace. Maybe it's the right spot, but I mean, you, you can't pick them all in here. And he's just pretty significantly slower than, mm-hmm. than some of the other ones are in, on my speed figures. Yeah, the yeah. other one you mentioned, uh, of, a, of a revolution, uh, the dangerous part for me is he's Sappy Joseph, who just always seems to run well at Gulfstream, particularly mm-hmm. with these three-year-olds in the sprint races. But I'm going to take my chances uh, because he's another one that, that has a few lengths to make up. And that's a little tougher to do in these sprint races that it, than it is when these horses start stretching out. Mm-hmm. Of a revolution who's going to go now uh, Making his third start of the form cycle Maybe a horse like Dean Delivers can Take a step forward a little more with uh, with Just that one race under his belt I agreed with you I leaned in dreams and Dean Delivers as the two to either Use in rolling exotics or just to Kind of play on top and um, <clears throat> Of a revolution I could you know Maybe but I just didn't like as much as the others And my prankster with the draw 
you know, he he did have to work a little bit to get by last time out there after sitting a pretty nice trip. He was kind of quickest out of the gate. He ended up sitting third. We're on the same page here with in dreams as the fastest, and uh, and then if they do go too quick, maybe Dean delivers as the one to to get that trip and to come and get him. Yeah, and my prankster, I mean, he could win, and it won't shock me. How same, could it be sure. with Todd Fletcher? But the race he comes out of was basically a match race. The rest of the field was claiming horses, to be honest. I'd be surprised if any of those horses did much of anything going forward. So he beat the horse he had to beat in their little Vic, but I just didn't think there was a lot of quality in that race. So he's going to have to prove it to me again. That is the grade three swale As we move along from race five on Saturday We're going to go to the grade three forward gal Race number seven for the Phillies This is a $100,000 stakes for three-year-old Phillies Who would love to be showing up in the Kentucky Oaks In, uh, what, a couple months now So, you know, the the lot of the support's going to come towards the outside With Radio Days, who was very, very impressive for Shug McGahey because we know Craig that Shug is an incredible trainer, does a great job, but he's not usually one that cranks the horses to win a lot first time out. And so when they're pretty precocious and they show a lot in their first few, we kind of a figure that they might have a little more and they can even improve. Yeah, one thing I've kind of learned over the years is that's what you would think, but to me it doesn't really turn out that way. When it is horses, funny, right? Uh, yeah, he has some that pop. Debut, yeah, when they debut and win in quick time. They don't really advance like his other horses do. I don't mm-hmm. know. If he, it's know, it's a backwards that. thing. It is one of those things where it's like if he it's so it, you you wonder a lot more about it being the horse than the trainer, right? If those are just particular horses that maybe are precocious and they're fast right then, but then as other horses develop and improve, they don't they can't catch up because when he does have same type of thing when he's able to have a horse that you see develop, those are the ones that feel like the ones that end up being the better older horses or that are around longer. Yeah, exactly, and it's no knock on on Chuck McGay. No, no. stretch. It, it says he's doing what he needs to do for the individual horses. And I mean, this one's good. Don't get me wrong, but it says a lot to me. He's not really stretching this one out. If it was a horse he thought was improving and was going to develop, he'd probably be looking for a little bit longer race. So this is another favorite that I, I am most likely going to try to beat. Uh, you know, it's hard to predict the odds, but I, I think this one is going to be the morning line favorite. And I also don't particularly care for the the second morning line choice either, just to the outside girl with a dream. She's one that hasn't run particularly quick. She has shown some versatility winning from off the pace and turning around going wire to wire. But you know me, I'm not the kind to um, to gravitate towards short prices unless no. they really dominant. And I just don't see it with those two. And this is a case where the Todd Fletcher horses actually run faster than, than those two and has done it in just two starts. So she ran a 98 on our figures last time. I like the way she looked doing it. Uh, she draws inside, but I don't think she's the kind that needs the lead. She had it her first time out, and then second time she was able to read off a speed horse and close in. Uh I read Ortiz is a pretty patient jockey in these third sprints, and I think he'd need that here. But if anything near that five to one, I would definitely be on uh, gratitude. I, I'm I'm with you again. She she got a really <clears throat> great trip last time out, and that's the kind of trip that she should be able to work out for herself again because she has speed, but she showed she can send off nicely. Her debut, 
She finished behind a horse named Kathleen O Who came back to win a stakes by eight next out And the runner up in that race Came back to win a maiden special weight next out So that was a really strong race That has come back live so far And the three to the outside I just feel like there's a lot more upside With Gratitude here I, they, maybe they're a little bit better than her right now And maybe Radio Days is good But I feel like you'll get a better price with, with Gratitude And even Diamond Wow Who we haven't mentioned She was second in the Jessamine on the grass last time She did a run on the dirt back in September At Gulfstream The the works kind of pattern Just made me a little cautious Because it looked like they tried You know, She raced in October Then they showed back up in November on the 16th They worked But then she didn't work again for a month She showed back up on December the 12th She worked and then she didn't work again for another month And she showed back up on the 14th So I don't know if there were some things that were Maybe some issues and, and now she's starting to get back Ready to rock but I never like Seeing that where you kind of get start and stop Like three different times almost So I mean, I'm just Not in love I think with, with any of the horses That I feel like will be probably shorter prices Than her and then you start eliminating The rest it feels like a great spot For this horse if she is anything in that like Four to one ish range yeah, I five to one would surprise me, but I'd probably go as eleven to, as low as seven to two on mm-hmm. her. Yeah, um, you, you make a good point about Diamond Val. One of the with Diamond Wow. One of the the things I really like in Timeform USPPs is you can click on the workout button and see their entire lifetime history of workouts. It shows where the races were. And one thing I really don't like is those spaces in the mm-hmm. works. Uh, that's never a good sign, particularly with a young horse like this coming off a layoff. And I also just think she's probably a turf horse. She did win on the dirt, but her speed figure on Timeform US at least took a pretty strong regression when she came back on turf. It, it was like back a field of five that was taken off the grass race too, yeah, right? It's hard to take those races too seriously. I mean, if she beats me, so be it. But to me, she looks like a turf horse who's probably prepping for something else. Yeah, I agree. I like uh, the Pletcher here the most of, you know, of actually preferred girl with a dream to radio days. Um, if I was going to use one more in the rolling exotics, I just she's got a little more, you know, just speed to her plain and simple. And she's got a little more versatility. I don't know if seven is the best, but if you if you toss the spin away, the spin away, she hasn't done a whole lot wrong since then. But I. And and she'll probably offer you a little bit more value just because she's like her speed figures and stuff seem a little bit lower and, and less impressive than uh, than radio days. So yeah, probably just my approach here is, is probably playing against radio days using um, the the Pletcher who we liked. I'll throw in Girl with a Dream, but yeah, nobody else in here got me all that excited. So maybe a good spot if we can get around uh, uh, you know between seven to two and five to one, that'd be great for us, Craig on the on the Pletcher here. Yeah, and I've mentioned before, I'm more of a vertical guy anyway. I, I don't do as well in horizontals. I haven't looked in the other races. So I'm the kind when I don't like the favorites, I just go for it. Straight and wins and exactas and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tries, exactas, uh, and even wins, uh, you know, if the prices are long enough. But uh, yeah, I try to make my scores in one race. That's just the style that fits me. I, I don't have the mentality to... Uh, to endure the long losing streaks that come with trying to hit it's, big pick five. It's hard. You have good days, and you're like, "How come I didn't win?" You have, you have to. If, if you're the type of person, which I am, I play a lot of you know pick fives, and, um, and what's nice in the, the other tracks that have lower takeout, I can play pick fours and pick threes and stuff like Sam Houston. But you have to be playing win wagers too, because if you're not, you're just gonna go like you said, so long in between drinks that 
it's going to be hard. It's it's confidence thing too that ends up you know you're you're wavering. You're not seeing the money roll back into your account all that often. So you have to be playing at least in some way, shape, or form win wagers or some exactas and tries so you can meet and make sure when you are right in some spots that you really capitalize. Yeah, it's like I said, it, it's everybody's different, you know. And I've kind of learned. I've been doing this a long time. What works? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I hit very nicely on the Lecompte. Uh, David and I both liked the horse on the the podcast, but I did play a little pick four that day. Um, and had I not played verticals, I wouldn't have won because I missed one of the legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one where I would have probably went and just stuck my head in the snow today and tried for, <laughs> exactly. you know, as long as my face could handle <laughs> until it was frozen. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, just for mental sanity for me, uh, I became more of a vertical type player and go race by race. But you know, I do see the the virtue of the other sides, and I do dabble with them. I've hit a few of them okay, but yeah, mentally, I, I have to have that individual car, uh, that individual race by race result. I think, and mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of worked out for me in the long run. Same, uh, same here with player. me. It keeps me from uh, getting too high or too low. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Those are the things that kind of keep you in, keep you going, keep you in between. Like you say, if you if you're getting the right type of prices on horses too, then there's nothing wrong with just a, a good old fashioned win wager. As uh, we uh, turn the page to the Holy Bull, I will mention a race that um is pretty cool just to take a look at. We we're not going to talk about it, but some names of of horses that you'll probably remember in the ninth race, which sort of even looks like a small stakes race. You've got Soup and Sandwich. Prevalence, who was a really kind of buzzy horse last year after his win at Gulfstream Park. Soup and Sandwich was in the Derby. You've got Candyman Rocket, who's also in there. You've got uh, just just some familiar names and kind of a cool allowance race. So keep an eye on that race, too, if you're handicapping the Gulfstream Park card. That's one to take a look at. It could be fun and, uh, and looks like it's pretty contentious. As um, we jump into the Holy Bull, Craig, <clears throat> race number 11, I thought there were a few early on in the three-year-old season. There are a couple of talented horses in here. They're they're kind of starting up, and you know they may be good down the line. But at first glance, it doesn't seem like there's all that much speed in this race. No, there doesn't, and that's kind of where I'm going to lean. I think we both um, will be probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple name horses in here. Uh, we have Mo Donegal who won the Remsen. Still not sure how he kept was kept up that day. As I read, Ortiz kind of used him as a battering mm-hmm. ram. Against uh, Zandon uh, I'm a little sore about that one still uh, But I mean he's a solid enough horse But you know he just hasn't been that fast On my speed figures He, he doesn't really have any kind of edge on this field And for me I really wonder with a horse like him How much he's pointed to win a race like the Holy Bull uh, He's already won at a mile and an eighth He turns back to a much tougher distance For a horse with his style mm-hmm. He's kind of a grinder where no matter what you do with him, it just takes a while to get him going and really get him in the stride. Uh, I've seen Todd Fletcher. He's had a few horses like this in his day. Uh, sometimes he gets the best out of them. Sometimes they, they just stay how they are. And I never want to take a short price on that animal, on that kind of animal, just because this setup at Gulfstream is all about speed. The 100%, right? Speed. There's so many things, Craig, that you were just saying. Could he win this race? Maybe he's really good. And maybe he wins this race, but he's going to be a short price with a grindy style in a race that doesn't have that much speed on paper at a track that's not very easy for his running style to close into. 
No, and particularly this mile and a 16th distance. It has a really short run up to the first turn. I think it's one where they use an alternate finish line. Uh, so the stretch is a little bit shorter. They have to do that to, um, you know, to kind of counteract the turn. But what, whatever it is, the closers don't do very well at a mile and a 16th at this distance. So I, I'm just going to have a hard time. I think he'll be running well in the lane. I just think he's going to have too much to do. And kind of similar for another horse in here, we have the horse who ran third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and Giant Game. I mean, he's okay. He ran a good speed figure, probably the best in the field. I, I haven't really went horse by horse to see who ran the fastest, but I would imagine his 110 was the best. But I'm not all that convinced that Breeders' Cup Juvenile was the strongest race. We've already seen Papa Cap come back. He didn't run. He ran okay in that LeCompte, but he kind of ran as expected. Ovi at class ran back, didn't win. Uh, Pinehurst ran back, didn't win. They all ran okay, but it's just not the strongest race for a grade one. So I'm a little leery about him in this spot. Um, another horse that's going to take money is Kids the Bomb, who I just think is a turf horse. I know he won on turf on dirt earlier in his career. He won by a pole, but that was one of those off-the-turf races, hadn't come back that strong. He's by Hit It A Bomb, who was was a turf runner. So I'm not sold on him. And the only other contender I'm left with is the one I think we're both going to wind up liking. And that's uh, the Four Horse Simplification, who in the um, Mucho Macho Man back in on New Year's Day was able to establish an early lead. Uh, he didn't have to go too fast to do it. And they just couldn't catch up, catch him. That was at the one-turn mile at Gulfstream. And... Believe it or not, I, I think the extra half furlong actually helps us mm -hmm. here because of that short run into the turn. And he's a horse who's been quick. He he really threw in a clunker the time before. But other than that, he's, his other two dirt races have been really, really good. And I just think the course setup uh, is going to give him a big advantage. And I, I like the price that he's going to be. I suspect we'll get every bit of that for Completely time. agree. Because this is one of those situations, Craig, where he's Probably not going to be the horse that wins the Kentucky Derby If we were going to be betting the Kentucky Derby Or if you were going to ask me who's a more likely winner of that race Or the Florida Derby Or one of them I'd probably say Mo Donegal Giant Game Or even a horse like Tiz the Bomb Who maybe he is a tour horse But maybe he runs well here and he's got ability But this is what happens in a lot of these prep races You You have sort of the bigger name horses That people see come out of some of the bigger races And they think oh they're better But it's not about that right now in these earlier preps It's still about who's in good form right now Who's ready to win this race Not the race yeah. next month or two months or three months down the line Yeah, I totally agree with that And we've seen the past several years Where most of the very serious Kentucky Derby contenders The horses that go on the win Win most of their prep races But mm -hmm. I just don't think we have those horses In this field In this, so or, in this field or even this crop I don't think It doesn't, you didn't feel like we had that many Last year, like you said In, in a couple of years, we've had a lot of horses that were Pretty good, they'd showed up and they'd kind of Win their way through a lot of their preps I don't, you know, I don't Simplification is a horse who I would like a lot A lot in this spot and then in the next Spot you know, if they go a little longer, if the race is tougher, if Mo Donegal and Giant Game with some of these horses are second off the bench, and maybe there's one other speed horse in that race, well, I'm probably not playing simplification, but it feels like the spot. It really does. And maybe he's not the best horse at the end of the year, but anything around four to one, totally fine with me in a race where 
I'm I'm definitely not playing Mo Donegal for sure. I and I don't think in anything to win at all. I might, you know, if if Giant Gamer Tiz a bomb didn't get hammered, maybe I could flop them into some of the exotics there. But I'm I'm for sure on simplification on the win end. And to me, he feels like the the. I mean, he should have a couple lengths on this field early. Yeah, it's our pace projector in time form US as I'm on a. Clear early lead. The only horse, uh, the horse that's shown closest up to him is the eight horse, uh, White Abario. And I mean, he's a Safi Joseph horse. He's pretty good, but he hasn't shown the same kind of speed. So he was in the race with Smile Happy. He can run okay. He's the kind of horse I might use underneath in, in the Exacta because he is the kind that could sit second. And these races often do run one two around the track, and he'll offer some value. So. For me, it's going to be simplification, uh, maybe a couple others underneath, like White Abario, maybe Giant Game and, and Mo Donegal as more of saver exactas, but I would mostly focus on simplification on top, and I have to tell you, I'm getting a little worried. We we agree a little bit. As I was going to say, <laughs> in, well, what's nice is that I, th- I think... In all of the spots, we'll at least probably get the like get the value we're looking for because we're taking the swings against the more more kind of highly regarded horses, and we're sort of looking for our, our hoping the pace situations work out. But I agree, we're we're it could be a really good day for us, and maybe we're going to be cheersing uh, with a, a drink at the end of Saturday night. But if if not, I apologize to everyone that Craig and I were on the same page and we we steered you wrong. But it did look like that. I th- these are cards that I like in that. I don't think we made cases for you know 15 or 20 to 1 shots in the three races But it does seem like the all three races have some short prices that I'm I'm very comfortable playing against Yeah, and that's for me. That's what the game's all about I mean Mm -hmm. if I think a short price favorite's gonna win I'm generally gonna turn the page and look to another race because Especially on a saturday. There's probably another hundred races around that that you can choose to spend your wagering dollars on and uh, one other thing about us being on the same page, I, I can't remember if it's tonight or tomorrow night, but I want to tell you, we're both going to be rooting for the Lakers. <laughs> I we, believe they're playing the Clippers. Am I they not play, correct? Yeah, yes, they are. That's we're You both, know, the Thunder have the Clippers draft picks, pick. So. The pick, so <laughs> yeah. That's anytime I'll know that we are all on the same and that we're on the same page and we're going to be dogging on the clipper refs in in these situations that's what we're going to be uh we're going to be talking about um craig we will uh yeah i'll have to get you on towards uh again in a little bit and we'll uh we'll we'll have a little basketball chat and uh and and touch base and see what's going on in the world i know you're a you're a big basketball fan as am i love watching uh love watching basketball we're going to start having a lot more basketball conversations with the nfl winding down but um, let us know. Give us your plugs. What uh, what's the schedule like now with uh, with the releases on the the podcast and uh, and all of the content that you have out there? Uh, me and David Aragona, we continue to do two podcasts a week for the most part. I had kind of taken a hi- hiatus over the holidays, but I- I'm back full time. So I believe this week we're going to cover the Aqueduct Lake Pick Five for Saturday. We do that on Fridays where we. Uh, preview a a weekend card and give our selections we usually try to do a pick five so if people are trying to put those kind of tickets together uh, they can follow along and then on Tuesdays we come back and do the uh, time form U.S. pace cast where we just kind of recap all of the biggest races all the stakes races we look for a lot of maidens and maybe up and comers we do focus a little bit on the time form U.S. speed figures but David always adds some perspective on the trips 
things like breeding and how horses are going to stretch out. And of course, he's our NIBRA expert. So any New York races, he's going to know about the track biases, which have been pretty prevalent lately. And uh, we just stick to that schedule mostly, mostly Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, Tuesday recaps and Friday previews. And the best place to uh, stay up to date on everything that Craig has going on. If you follow him at Timeform US Figs on Twitter, usually uh, Craig shares all the content that he's got out there. Anytime there's new uh, podcasts, new episodes, anytime there's uh, timing issues, Craig, you're so great for for that. Like you, it's it's the cross that you bear, uh, checking the checking the times all over the place every day, and having to be the one to tell us all the time. Oh, that time was wrong, or oh, keep an eye on that one, or oh, that one was wrong, but. We uh, you're you're a great follow for anyone who's who's playing any tracks all over because um, one thing that you what you do enables you to find if there are any mistakes when you're making your speed figures you just will quickly notice them right away. Yeah, there was one last week. It was the um, the Hooper at Gulfstream, and it just kind of stuck out. It looked like a big performance by the winner. I can't even remember his name. I know he beat Fearless. Uh, but as soon as I saw the fractions, I knew something was funky. And it was a speaker's you know, corner, right? The speaker's yes, horse. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the horse speaker's corner. So I try to point those things out. I try not to talk about it as much as I used to. But rest assured, when I sit down and make the speed figures, I am using the best times. I don't talk about all the times that I find that are wrong or, or all the corrections I have to make. Things are getting better on that front. Uh, that's what we like to hear. in parts of my work. Uh, people have started to pay attention and they take me seriously. And I work together with, with some people at DRF. I have really good lines of communication with Equibase these days. And they're very, um, very helpful in getting things fixed. And, and they do listen to what I have to say. They help me with some things as well, too. So uh, we, we do have that good relationship and things are getting better. So I know it can be frustrating when, when people see funky times pop up on the screen uh, it's doubly frustrating for me because i'm a better and the guy making mm-hmm. figures but it, it is getting better and i try to keep a good attitude about it because most people uh do want to do the right thing uh for players and we're working to get that done exactly we're uh we get the right people all on the same page uh, we're gonna move in the right direction craig Man, thank you so much. I always look forward to uh, to talking with you. As I said, you're one of my favorite people to talk racing with. You're you, you always give us your honest uh, opinions. Some some races, like you said, it'll be uh, tough races to find a gamble, and and we're never gonna try to like I'm never I'm never gonna try to lead anybody to, to bet a race that I don't think is worth betting. I'm gonna tell people what's honest, and then other races will take swings. It's just the conversations we have are like I think a lot of people have with their friends talking races, and that's that's what people are interested in. So. Thank you so much, and I'll uh, I'll have to get you back here for another round of uh, of one of these racetracks uh, and their big prep races in the next few weeks. Yeah, sounds great. I, I'm always happy to be on. You make it so easy for me. And go Lakers! Probably the only time. Here we go. I was gonna. I gotta get that sound bite. I'm gonna cut that sound bite, and I'm gonna play it <laughs> over and over for you. You're done now, Craig. <laughs> That's funny enough. Please tell the uh, the wife I said hello, and I look forward to right now as we we talked about before. Uh, I think I'm heading out to uh, to Oklahoma in a few months for a, a, a close friend's wedding. So we'll definitely have to uh, link up and, and get some dinner because of all the times we've talked in, even back when we were on TV, when I was on TVG, we talked, but we I don't think ever touched base in person before. So very long overdue. Yep. Looking forward to it, Gino, uh, even more so than doing shows with you. I look forward <laughs> to meeting. That would be great, man. So um, you and the family, you stay safe over there. You stay warm and uh, good luck this weekend, Craig. 
All right, thanks. You too, buddy. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more racing to discuss on That's What G Said. Thank you to Craig Milkowski for helping us out, like always. So let's do a little recap of uh, some of the races that we discussed and then a couple others to mention. In the fifth, the swale. I like in dreams as the speed. Dean delivers the one to sit, and I will probably include of a revolution a little more than uh, than Craig was high on him. But I mean, I don't need an, I don't need my prankster in in rolling exotics. In race number seven, it's the kitten's joy. There's not very much speed in here. Red Danger, who won a a recent prep race, makes sense as a horse to come from off the pace. I think Coinage can steal this race. The one to catch with Saez. Put a line through that last race. That was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. That was just too tough of a group. Two starts back at Monmouth on a good turf course. Wasn't able to get to the lead. Didn't move into it, though. And then just sort of stopped. It's the with anticipation. If he gets a race like that where he's able to get out front and cruise, he could be really tough to run down. Coinage is the play for me in the Kitten's Joy. The forward gal is race number eight. Mentioned Gratitude and Girl with the Dream are the two for me. I'm not quite as high on Diamond Wow. Radio Days wouldn't shock me at all. I'd stack them Gratitude, Girl with the Dream, Radio Days in the forward gal. Ninth race is a fun race. Take a look at it if you're playing any uh, like multi-exotics and stuff where there's a lot of familiar names, some horses that you've seen through the years and some uh, some stakes races. In the 10th race, the sweetest chant, Ocean Safari just got nailed late, was a little wide, moved, and just moved a tad early in that spot. Opalina actually moved right before, and then Ocean Safari moved right after. So, I mean, I, I'd probably go right back to Ocean Safari in here, second start off and ready for an absolute best effort. Gulfstream Park in the 11th race. It's the holiest, uh, the holiest bull. That's the name of the stable duel game. It's the holy bull. Simplification. Might not be the best horse down the line, but he's the one they're going to all have to catch in here. So he's the play for me. I'm I'm cold on Mo Donegal, but I'm not as cold on the other two as Craig was. Giant game. I actually thought his Breeders' Cup race was pretty decent. And he stepped forward in each of them. Now he's had a few months off, and he could come step forward. He beat Call Me Midnight, who's the LeCompte winner. He actually made a big kind of looming up move at the top of the lane, was up to second, and just got a little tired behind Corniche. I thought it was pretty good. The sort of wild card is Tiz the Bomb, whose dirt form isn't bad. He's, I think he's a really, really nice horse. I do agree with Craig in that. I think he's probably better on the turf. But I do think he's so good that he might be better than some uh, many in here enough to run pretty well. So that's Tis the Bomb, giant game, but I prefer simplification. A little cold on Mo Donegal, I think, as Craig does. I'm not sure if the, the surface, the race shape, and right now if he's going to be all that cranked up to worry about winning that race. So that's Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Lots of stakes races there, and they're all stakes races, I believe, for the three-year-olds, right? All the uh, the youngins. So, a good Saturday card over at Gulfstream Park. Let's continue on with some of the Saturday racing. Let's head to Santa Anita, and then we'll get over to Sam Houston. So, Santa Anita is going to kick off with the Thunder Road on Saturday the 5th, going a mile on the turf course. Delaware, the blinkers come off, and this one is going to stretch back out to a mile. I thought he would be okay going six and a half down the hill, and remember they took that race off the hill on January the 1st. 
He did not run poorly. He showed that late interest like we expected. And now he's going to go second off, second time for this barn. You get the stretch back out there. This horse has some ability and has some class. The real key to the race is, does he get the kind of race shape that he needs? I do think the two inside horses are both pretty quick. And then even the outside horse isn't fast, but maybe a little bit of kind of tracking, positional, tactical speed. If they end up going, pushing each other, it's going to be Delaware and count again. I think count again is a little bit better going a little longer. So I'm leaning Delaware in race number one, the number four. Anything around seven to two will make a win wager there in race number one on on Saturday at Santa Anita. We get to race number three. A big price in here for me, Noble Reflection. I, we don't really know how good this horse is. He was fine in his debut and actually a race that was behind Dr. Scheivel and Spielberg. And then he came back and he crushed at Oaklawn Park as a heavy favorite. He went wire to wire. Tried graded stakes races and back-to-back after that. Easy races to excuse. And then tried the grass last time out. Another race that you can just put a line right through. Now he gets back to a dirt sprint. The last time we saw him sprinting on the dirt, he won and he crushed. And he earned a 91 buyer speed figure in doing so. I think there's a little bit of upside there. With Noble Reflection. He feels like the one to catch. You, you're going to get a good run for your money with him because he's going to get out front with Maldonado at a big price. The number four, Noble Reflection. We move to race number five at Santa Anita. Optional 50, first level allowance on the turf course going a mile. Lee me by the four. Did get bumped a little bit at the start. Settled inside, but was kind of rank, was pulling, got checked. Lost a couple lengths. Ended up backing up, was third. And and then got into a nice stride. Got a really good opening. Moved through. Just hired in the final stages. So I, I like the cutback from a mile and an eighth to the mile. I think this one's a must use. The one big fish who I liked last time out. Again, good at a mile. Saves all the ground. Will come running. He's good enough to win these races. He's just not very consistent anymore with his running style. But he's probably one that you want to have in on your tickets at around 6 or 8 to 1 if he comes closing. And then you've got the, I mean, the 7 Prince of Bama is obviously very logical. That's the horse that Pratt will uh, will jump on coming in off of a runner-up effort last time out in a very similar spot. 4-1-7 in race number 5 there. The grade 2 Santa Monica, I couldn't really get creative in there. I mean, Park Avenue, I liked last time out. I was expecting a little more from her. She got destroyed by as time goes by. I do like the turn back to seven furlongs. So maybe from the outside, she can have a little bit more punch. Maybe she gets the jump on CeCe, but CeCe feels like she's going to be really tough in here. Seventh race, six and a half down the hill. I'm on the three, Exultation. So she had not raced from, he, he had not raced from July to January Showed back up on January the 2nd, going six and a half furlongs down the hill. It was a fine start. It was two lengths off, about third or fourth. He was in between. He was in the second flight, and then he got blocked. He had nowhere to go. He had to back out of it. He got forced into a really bad spot on the inside. That was his first try since July. He has run down the hill before, and feels like a great spot. Second start off the bench for exultation coming off a sneaky, troubled trip last time out. Anything around 6-1, to one, I'd make a win wager on a horse who's higher than that on the morning line. The grade 2, San Pasquale, going a mile and eighth, is race number 8. 
Express Train comes off the San Antonio win where he beat Hot Rod Charlie. So Kiss Today Goodbye has not been in the best of recent form. The two-back race was fine, but then you got a couple of clunkers in, in there. Express Train feels like the one to beat. You have the up-and-comer American Theorem. Eight Rings just feels like he's better going shorter. Mile and mile in the 16th is much more up his alley. I don't know if the mile in an eighth is going to be good for him. And then you've got Spielberg and Law Professor. Did Spielberg kind of wake back up? You know, it was the first start at four. He won. Maybe he's starting to figure things out. He didn't really all put it all together when he was, you know, two into three. And then you have Law Professor, who I like. I think he's sort of an, a, a real peaking horse. He's fine on multiple surfaces. He's drawn well. He showed that he can sit a little bit closer now as he's been getting older. He's shown more positional and, and tracking speed. So I lean Law Professor. Not a race that I'm going to be betting a whole lot, but if you're looking for a, an opinion on the stakes there, the grade two San Pasquale, that is Saturday over at Santa Anita. Let's finish up the Saturday racing as we head to Sam Houston for Saturday. Okay, get those past performances out for February the 5th, Saturday night over at Sam Houston. I'm going to go to race number two because the first race is an Arabian race. So we'll go five and a half furlongs on the main track, maiden 15 claimers, Texas breads. The three Manny surprises the heavy favorite. I actually like the six cash and time better. First time gelding was taken back inside, was fourth, was two off, got caught in between horses in a tight spot, was traveling really well, and then it just was a little bit flat when asked. Now you get the ultimate equipment change, you get the gelding, and Manny surprise got the lead inside really easily, going almost 49 to the half mile, going seven furlongs. Sure, can he win? Absolutely. I just, that's a pretty soft race last time out six if you're looking to play I probably won't play a whole lot in the early exotics it starts the early pick three six three obviously is how I stacked them but I prefer the six ten claimers in the third race mile on the turf course here the three half hours in stormy second off the short break second time new barn most recently on January the 21st, had a fine start inside, but got the shuffle back to last, moved up inside, showed some late interest. Now you stretch out. The last win came on the turf, going seven and a half at EVD. So the mile should be fine for half R's in Stormy. In this guy's sneaky turf form, five races, two of them with trouble in races that produce next out winners, finishing fourth and fifth in those. Pretty good overall turf form. From half R's in Stormy. The number two, Passamonte Man. Gustafsson claims and then goes right to the turf with a horse who has a win on the grass. You've got the nine towards the outside, who armchair jockey is probably the one they'll have to beat in here. The four, Uncle Artie, last time over this Sam Houston turf course, was a winner going against 15 non twos. And you've got the one Midas Cat. The three, though, half R's and Stormy should offer you a little value there. Three, two, nine, four, one. That's how I had him stacked at Sam Houston in race number three. Moving along to race number four, the number four, Last Rue, showed some late interest in seven furlongs. Should be a perfect trip for Last Rue. The number one turns in conditions, got squeezed back a little bit at the start, then did shoot up the rail to battle in tight. Lost some ground, came on again. It, it wasn't the easiest of trips. He probably deserves to be used in all exotics here. The three in the mist moved up gradually, too deep, 
part of a five across the track. Now is going to go as a first time gelding. And the six Revenir, I'm okay with trying to beat. I'm going to go four one three here. Race number five. The three brightest feels like a standout to me. I'm going to single brightest in some exotics. It was a really tough first quarter mile for her last time out. She got bumped around. She was in tight. She was in between horses. She was starting to move, but late. And but then the hole closed. And she was chasing really slow fractions. She's now going to go second off the bench and go in with Texas Breads after facing open company as of late. I think Brightest is in a fantastic spot. And then after her, you know, the five, she is a bling. She's a little interesting to me. She's going to stretch back out and she'll be, she'll have a little more tactical speed. She likes the mile. You've got the six, it's my money too, who's another kind of price horse who I think you can. Does she need to improve a little? Yeah, but you can excuse the turf race two starts back and expect her to be better going a little bit longer. That looked like it was a prep race on January the 7th. You've got the eight. Awesome sunset. Should be pretty live here. First off the claim for this barn. Honestly, all that she has to do is just repeat her last effort and she'll be tough. And then the two dance her on home is the one to beat off of that crush. But I'm going to try to bet against her. And I'm going to single the three brightest in the exotics there we move to the sixth race start of your late pick five open maiden special weights going five furlongs on the turf course the eight bendeline is the one to beat the four terra nova might be the one to bet the three blood temple is a first time starter with some pretty decent turf pedigree the one fayette blue feels like horse will probably end up going off favored but i'm I'm kind of against Fayette Blue. I much prefer Bendeline of those that I think will be a short price. I'm not all that high on encouraging either. So I'm looking at four, eight, three, then whatever you want to do with the one Fayette Blue. In the seventh race, first level allowance, six furlongs on the main track here. I'm a big fan of the four. Jade's Jelly, who was extremely impressive on January the 14th when coming in from Aqueduct. Gustafson claims this one and then steps up to face first level allowance runners. Lady Avenue is very, very quick, but if Lady Avenue runs into some other speed, she's not really, she can sit a little bit, but she will stop. We saw her three starts back at Delta. When she runs into some other speed, she'll stop. If she's not on the front end, she's not quite as good. Tiffany Twist, a lightly raced horse with some upside here. Ms. Money is not slow. She might be the key to the race because Ms. Money, My Golden Bling, they're both pretty quick. Lady Fly Like Jet, pretty quick. The Nine, Stylin' and Profilin', I will use. Tough to really knock this horse's overall recent form was behind Jade's Jelly last time out. But I love the four in here. Four, nine, two, three in race number seven. 15,000 non-two claimers going five furlongs on the turf course there. The five, Magna Punch. I think you can excuse that last effort. Go back to the turf sprint races at Remington Park in September and October. What's wrong with those races? Nothing. Magna Punch will be in all exotics for me. The number eight, also including Sign of War all over the place. You see that turf sprint on the bottom of the page. It was pretty good. was involved. Tired, faded a little bit to finish fourth. And then showed speed going longer on the grass. uh, Just a... just recently, so if they wheel back quickly with Sign of War, I'll probably include 
in some exotic sign of war just raced on the uh, the 29th. So I'm not sure sometimes because of the, the entries if they're going to wheel back quickly or scratch. The 1A, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, has enough turf form to make a case for that one. And then the 2, Boating Party. Boating Party gets the inside draw. The only time they were on the grass showed a little bit of positional speed going 7.5 at Louisiana. Of course, it's beautifully bred. Might be worth giving another shot on the grass. 5-8-1-A-2 in the 8th at Sam Houston. Moving to race number 9. Start of your late daily double on Saturday night. $7,500 claimers. I'm going to go to the 4 Shifty Henry. This will be a chalky single for me. This is just a, a spot where he feels like he towers over the rest of this group. No Palm Roy Hayes to deal with here. He likes Sam Houston. He should be right on the engine or sitting close. Shifty Henry. If you wanted to go a little bit deeper, it would be the 7 Wilson to Lockett, who was a $5,000 open claiming winner on November the 27th, was claimed. And if they go too quick, if Shifty Henry gets beat, it's probably because he was you know, battling with some others. And maybe it's Wilson to Lockett who comes flying late, the number seven. The six, Beauty Boy, if you wanted to go a little bit deeper, was another who put a line through the uh, the turf race. I mean, it was a good effort. It was a fine second, but we're focusing in off the dirt form anyways. The December 15th race would stack up really, really well in here, even back in September when behind Golden Palace had a little bit of trouble that day. So I would include the uh, the six at least underneath Four, seven, six for me in race number nine. As we get to the tenth and final on Saturday over at Sam Houston, the number two Go Speed Racer Go comes in from Fairgrounds. Didn't race from August to December. The December race against thirty non twos was a winner. Then showed speed last time out. Kind of got caught up front under pretty slow fractions. Now you're gonna go third off the bench. You come over here. It feels like a great spot. For Go Speed Racer Go. The number five American Made returns to the turf. And we saw some really nice turf outings from this one. I think with his lightly raced for overall form and the upside, he's a must use for me. The number eight will also be in my exotics. Vim and Vigor was a runner up last time out as the beaten favorite in a similar spot. I think he's the measuring stick for this group. Two. 5-8 at Sam Houston to close out the card on Saturday night. So that is racing for you for Friday and Saturday a lot this weekend. Big thanks to Craig. Big thanks to Samantha for helping us out with Gulfstream and with Tampa. We are going to get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. But before we do, we have to talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What She Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, Cindy can help you out with buying with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you with the right type of lenders if you need help with a, getting pre-approved for a home loan. If you just want to improve your home a little bit, she'll put you in touch with landscapers, gardeners, painters, people that she has known, that she's used, that she has experience with. Now, maybe you're just kind of curious of what your home's value is. She'll do a free market analysis. Her website, cindycarava.com. You can find her listings there, information about her on Yelp and Zillow, reviews all over the place from people that have worked with her. 
She's kind. She's genuine. She's not going to BS you. This is exactly the person that you need to work with when you're looking for a home, when you're trying to sell yours, when you're looking to upgrade. She's going to take care of all those annoying little things on a checklist that you don't want to have to worry about. Cindy Carava. Check out the website, cindycarava.com. We get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. Lots to talk about this week. We got to recap the Royal Rumble and what went down. Talk about how things look moving into the Elimination Chamber for the Saudi Arabia show. What the the lay of the land is for WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey's back. Brock Lesnar's in the title picture. What are things going to be like? Then on AEW, crazy new in the news. Uh, Shane McMahon back and then gone. Brian Kendrick, uh, some bad stuff from his past came up. We had... AEW with a really great main event between MJF and CM Punk. So, lots, lots, lots on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. This week in wrestling, okay, we've got everybody separated back uh, to their separate brands now. We've got Chad Cooper back on this week in wrestling. <laughs> the brand split is back. We got uh, Andrew and Aaron back on the old wrestling rewatch and. The uh, the one thing that we were uh, just discussing, there was some pretty crazy news over the last couple of days, uh, not even really having to do with anything in ring or the Royal Rumble or AEW or anything that we're talking about, you know, recapping the shows. But first up, Shane O'Mac is out at the WWE, which is really bizarre, Coop. He returned for the Royal Rumble over the weekend. He was in the Rumble. Apparently... He had a very big role backstage in putting the whole thing together. He got some backstage heat from people in in maybe some spots and how they were booked. And then now he's out. And the thing that's weird about this to me in just everything that I've ever listened to, read, heard through the years, it seems like Shane is not like Vince. Right. It right. doesn't seem like this this is a Shane type of thing to do. Shane's always been the guy who I mean, he he has his big spots in matches, but he never wins. He always loses. He never was like a major champ or anything. He Everybody always put him over. And from what everybody that I've heard when they talk about Shane, they always said, man, Shane comes in and he's got so much energy. He's excited. He never half-asses anything. He works really, really hard. He doesn't come in and like act like, oh, I'm Shane McMahon. I get to do this or get to do that. Like he has ideas. He's got everything plotted out. So – Again, we never know what's going on, and maybe this did happen, but it just it just seems weird and inco- inconsistent to what we've heard about Shane O'Mac through the years. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, I've heard the same thing you have. Um, the guy is one hell of a p- performer. I've seen him live at the Elimination or Hell in a Cell at the pay-per-view in Houston a couple of years ago when he does the dive off the top of the cage onto the announcer's table with the flying elbow drop. Uh, and, and then you read that somebody said he, there was a suggestion that he went into business for himself during the rumble. I don't know if that's true or not. I find it interesting 
I have no problem with him being a surprise entrance. I, look, if you listen to our Royal Rumble preview, I mean, come on, we 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 touched, especially you. We 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 hammered a lot of this good mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, it was no surprise that he was in there. Um, I was surprised of how much going forward they were going to use him. I don't have a problem with Shane O'Mac. The last couple of WrestleManias haven't been his best. No, I agree. He and there's I, something I just, weird I, about um yeah he, he like I don't know what it, it he seemed less comfortable on the microphone. Oh, as, just as odd. Gotten, Remember, that was odd as he's gotten older because man, when he was young, he used to just be coming out. Which way did he go? Which way did he? Go? I mean, he was just <laughs> awesome there. Like he was really he had a swagger, and then. He it was kind of like nervous a lot of the time. He would lose his he would lose his focus a little bit, and like people still get a kick out of seeing him. And uh, like if there would have been a match set up with him and Austin Theory, that'd have been like perfect. You know, you have the whole Vince stuff built into it. Percent. I putting him in. uh, It was now rumored that he was going to be in the elimination chamber. See that that's where you don't need to go with him. That's the problem. and And then what was even more brutal. Is you were putting him, or the rumors were he was Rollins, right? At WrestleMania, Seth yeah. freaking Rollins, man. So I, I, I don't know. Look, this is like what the fifth or sixth time Shane McMahon has been. He's not fired from the WWE. I know people. He leaves and he comes back, and it's yeah, but but yeah. we've never heard it. This just right. sounded weirder, right? The the reasons why he left. Other times it would be like, oh, Shane's gone. He's got business stuff he's working on, or right. maybe even something right. happened with him and his dad. They kind of got into this it. Is, or... This is crazy. This is crazy stuff because this is the son of Vince McMahon. Now we don't see hardly anything of Stephanie anymore no. by way of character. Um, so this is very, very odd. Whatever the reasonings for, maybe it works out for the better. Um. We we do have the elimination chamber match now set uh, with no Shane McMahon. Uh, looks like we won't have Shane McMahon versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. So you know may, maybe this this negative turns into a positive. At least at least there's Gina. another negative. Uh, He's that was not Brian Kendrick. Yeah, that's the real negative. And th- this was rough because. Brian Kendrick, who we we like, honestly, I I didn't know about any of this stuff. I no, had I mean, no, I had no. I've announced Brian Kendrick matches. I've seen him before. I've met the guy before. He he and in he had the really cool sort of veteran run in WWE a few years ago with the uh, the the two hundred five live the cruiserweight stuff uh, that was really well done. The cruiserweight classic, very well done. And dude, he he has helped and trained so many wrestlers. Him and Daniel Bryan were really close And he Was yeah he was in NXT as a coach For a while we actually saw him a few weeks ago It looked like they were going to get him involved in a storyline Angle and then he was just Gone they never Followed up with it we found out that he He asked for his release and then They announced him he was supposed to wrestle We're recording on Thursday he was supposed To wrestle on Wednesday night on Dynamite They had him scheduled they had a a Graphic with him ready he was going to wrestle John Moxley And then all of a sudden, once that came out, some people started posting things that he had said, you know, and, and this isn't like you when you're 18 and you make one little silly comment. These were appalling things, Chad, like appalling. 
And it wasn't it wasn't even like a oh I voted for this person in this election and now I'm sorry. I mean it was he was like you, you can't even get into it because it's so sickening. But he talked about entire races of people. The Holocaust was there, like fake stuff, things that were holograms. Nine eleven didn't exist. I mean there <laughs> it, it was just like every conspiracy theory, bat shit, crazy thing possible was mentioned. Oh, and and it wasn't like it was like in one drunken rant. Like he was on video filming these things in documentaries. He would he repeated it over and over. Even a couple years, I guess. Apparently, he doubled down on some of this stuff. And for you know, we we critique AEW, and and I say a lot of times we're hard on them, and and I mean it's just we're harder on them than other people are. We're going to talk tonight <laughs> about how we really loved the main event that they. They had, you know, and we like a couple of the storylines, but then when you really dig into some things, I'm going to critique them. But Tony Khan, for as much as we'll kind of say, ah, they did this or Tony shouldn't have responded or said that when things like this happen, he does a fantastic job. He immediately pulled the plug and said, hey, look, we're not going to have him on there. And then people started flashing back. Oh, cancel culture, cancel culture. This isn't a cancel culture thing. This is the guy who said a lot of really bad stuff, and he'd never even apologized for it. He never even came back out anywhere and said sorry until after. And then he said, okay, now I'm sorry. I feel bad. This isn't what I mean, or I don't believe this. But wow, what a crazy like whirlwind of a of a 48 hours for someone like Brian Kendrick, who was like, oh, wow, he's going to get a huge main like major match on TV against Moxley on cable and then boom it flips so much to just this toxic like everybody looking into all these things that he said man it was it's crazy you know um I'm for freedom of speech I I, I work a majority of my adult life has been at a newspaper an investigative newspaper um I believe in the Constitution. I, I, I'm I'm an old school type person, even though I'm, I'm I'm 47 years old. You know, there's just always fine lines. Some things you say, and some things you don't say. We've all been not proud of things we've said to people, you know, off the cuff. But anytime uh, you're uh, any type of public figure, sports. Coaches, politicians, mm-hmm. CEOs, mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to whatever think you whatever you want to think and whatever you're gonna say. Okay. It's just you have to be prepared for the consequences if certain beliefs um are just not welcomed. I don't even know if this would have been welcomed in 1980, and I'm not getting off Brian Kendrick. I, look, I, I mean, I'm not getting political here. No, I, no, this isn't a politics thing. I mean, what I just have this to is say from Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. We we there's a lot of people saying a lot of things because they think they can say it, and it's okay because maybe the status they're in. I, I mean, it is just like look if if you want to think it, believe it. I just don't know it. what what's the point. Like you like you said. Think about the risk, weigh the risk versus the reward. And it's just that's all you have to do. If you think it's if you think that your career may be in jeopardy, uh, maybe not. I'll tell you this you can say cancel culture, not say cancel culture. 
when people find out things these days from text, emails, uh, it, it just, it never ends very well for anyone. And his, you know, how's Brian Kendrick? 40, 42? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, his career, he, he didn't have much left. Nope. He, he's a trainer. He had a spot on NXT. Didn't he get thrown down the staircases uh, by Harlan? Like, I think. And Gacy, he, yeah. Right. Uh, he asked for his release probably because AEW probably reached out, or not going to say reached out, don't want, you know, breaching of contracts here like they do. And what's been being exposed here in the NFL now is getting tainted early by talking to Tom Brady or whatever it is. But, um, it's probably going to have a, a run in AEW and get some in a run. That means have some matches. Uh, at least one with Moxley on TV would be most his most significant thing. He's probably done since his cruiserweight cruiserweight title run there in yeah two hundred five. It's just uh, it's it, honestly it's sad. It is it because is. I didn't. We don't know these things, and it's it's a good. I don't I don't know him well enough to know. If he really did believe that stuff, if he was going down rabbits, he was just trying to get attention. I don't, you you don't know, but the things that are said, you know, it's the the things that he said are just like so far even beyond just like a like a one like this. Like you said, you're you're mentioning Whoopi who said some I mean appalling stuff, and, and she kind of came back like he was going into like things like lizard people. I mean, like, like, the, He's like it, he must be listening. I'm not laughing and making light of no, it. No, no, but it's, yeah. It's just, notice that AM program, Art Bell, remember Coast to Coast? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it still comes on. Look, George Nori, uh, we have it on here, local radio in Southeast Texas from like 11 to 1 a.m. And mm-hmm. I, I have been listening and people talk about, oh, yeah, there's, there's conspiracy theory people out there, but there's a way of way of doing it and presenting it in a better manner. Than then, what uh, he did Yeah it just you know, came right? it, it came really really poorly and It came uh, out of nowhere either It did it came so So crazy I was like what how did this stuff Never have I, I was shocked that it hadn't Have come up but I guess if you think about it because He hadn't been really out In the mainstream on television In a long time and so it was probably Not a reason for anybody to even really be Talking all that much about him but uh, Guy has a lot of talent in the ring but sure. They're just now, some of the things that he he said, I mean, if you were someone who was Jewish and, and the stuff that he was saying about the Holocaust, like, I don't know how you could ever want to share a ring or a locker room with someone like that. And that that's what you have to think about is that in every when you're playing a sport too, like, you know, you're kind of getting this getting to this point. If you're a, a leader of an of a, an organization, if you run a store, if you own a place and you say things, you've got to really be careful about. You know, not alienating the people that work for you, that are on your team, that are around you, because they're not going to want to do business with you either. So that's what you kind of where you're going like, hey, look, we may all have some things that we believe or think that, you know, deep down probably aren't the greatest. But if you as soon as you open your mouth and say something, you know, you have the freedom to say it, but everyone is going to there's no freedom of perception. Right or scrutiny. There's no such thing. When you open, when you say something, people are going to feel how they want to feel. You can't change that. And whether you're right or wrong in believing, well, you should be able to say what you want to say whenever you want to say it. Whether you believe that or not, there does come a time when professionalism, even if you're 
working at a local local grocery store as a bag boy. Oh my gosh, you can't punch you know, someone in the face or cuss somebody yeah, out when you're working; they'll you know, fire you. You know, you just have to know time and place. I- exactly, and there's a time and place for everything. And hey, look, if you want to call in to coast to coast and say I'm Brian Kendrick. I'm a professional wrestler. I believe in lizard people. We would have probably laughed and made fun of him. Seriously. Honestly. Right. Yep. Uh, There's some conspiracy theories that, you know, there's some things that I have some doubts in. Not right. We've all seen those things. We've all watched the documentaries. Did we really land on the moon or did Stanley Kubrick? Absolutely. Wait a minute. Did Stanley Kubrick really work on the moon landing? But you don't see me out, you know, promoting it that the government is lying to you yeah, and all this that's... stuff, blah, blah, blah. It, it's just, look, like you said, you can go down a rabbit hole because I've been down them. We all have. Man, the number 21, my buddy. Remember that movie? The number, did you ever see that one with Jim Carrey? The 21 movie? with the oh, number? Absolutely. absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah look, uh, there's a Friday night where I've, you know, come back from Delta Downs with just my clothes and just enough money for, for gas. You know, and 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 have a little shot of fireball, and the next thing you know, I'm on YouTube, and I'm I'm down the rabbit hole. Exactly, but you know, you're not offending uh, entire no, uh, no. nationalities of people, and like no. saying that they're not re- and they're it's yeah, no. it was uh, a rough a rough couple days uh, for uh, for Brian Kendrick, and uh, good on Tony Khan for sure. just kind of hey, you know what, if this guy's on TV, it's gonna do worse right now. Than it is anything we just can't have this there So uh, good job TK As uh, we get into The wrestling portion of the the wrestling This week the (laughs) Royal Rumble coming off the Rumble And the Royal Rumble is like I think what people would say about uh, Pizza or sex you know A bad Royal Rumble is still pretty entertaining Still pretty good (laughs) event Pretty good show but uh I mean, I've had some bad pizza. I will say that. I have, I have too. But you know yeah. what? I, I finished most of it. I was going to say uh, at least a few bites. At least a few <laughs> bites. So, um, with uh, with the rumble, it was just the. And we'll go through some of the matches and stuff. It just the results ended up being really predictable sure. for both of them. And I think I felt a little bad coming out of Sunday in that you know we we've been joking about Big E the last few weeks, and it, it just like. Which of the main roster stars in the Rumble were made to look even really good? It didn't feel like many, and it felt like the guys that got eliminated were like when guys like Big E or Priest or you know Riddle at least had a cool elimination with Brock. But some of the the ones that we thought Theory, they were just like oh, and they're gone. It wasn't look in hell. Big E now is all of a sudden on SmackDown. Yeah, it was just look just because I don't like the guy. I, I look. I, that doesn't mean that I don't respect. I, he was just your 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 raw world champion, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's on SmackDown. And, and if you look at the lay match. of the land, and you look at it, it was interesting. He had a tag match last Friday night on SmackDown, and I thought, okay, they're just kind of building up, you know, the Rumble. But I thought I really did. I made a note here. I said, I bet this guy. Gets moves to SmackDown because I look as as you as we went as as we watched the Rumble, okay, and as we saw uh, Bobby Lashley in the Brock Lesnar match, I'm now convinced. I'm not convinced. I, I, what Brock wins the Rumble, we'll get to that. Um, 
Brock Lesnar's in this elimination chamber match. Lashley mentioned it to you on Raw. He want he wants to unify these titles. It, it, let's just say he's saying that, and Brock doesn't win this title back at the elimination chamber, and Brock does go to WrestleMania and headline one of the nights with Roman Reigns. Still, what do we do with Lashley? There was a lot of talk that Big E Lashley was going to be the match. Uh, we're not going to get that. It's nope. over. And we ain't, look, <laughs> if you think Lashley, uh, if you think Big E is going to SmackDown to be the universal champion, uh, at, at best, he may be a future tag champion. There's Big E uh, is going to be match. in a tag match at WrestleMania. Big E is not even going to have a singles match with at New WrestleMania. With New Day. And, and, and so I think you were getting at the point, right? It's not even if I, if it's not like there are going to be baby faces that come through that you're going to like more than I, than I like, and that I'm going to like more than you like, it's not even about who it is. It's about the WWE problem that they've had with this. They have a baby face or they can't keep creating these new stars. They'll put, they'll like raise someone up. They'll have their little moment and then they shuffle them right back down. And And this this is definitely, look, don't get this twisted. This is definitely not a racial deal. No, no. look, Look, Rhea Ripley, we could we could go on and on with champions that it's just just been taken down the ladder and not yeah even- this isn't a and because this happened with Kofi but this happened with how many other champions through the years ever like all of the females like you were just saying with Rhea every time the women win their tag titles they're up and then they're completely back down this has happened over and over it's more of a WWE. Booking thing and not creating stars thing and leaning on the veterans of the past. It was like, oh, Ronda comes back. Let's, you know, the plans are going to shift around, which you understand, right? We understand why Brock Lesnar is going to come back. Oh, that means the plans are going to shift around, but it does hurt in building people in the long run. It really, really does because, you know, the Kevin Owens is another example. Oh, wow. Happens to him all the time. You know, feels like he's going to get. A big run, and then he gets his legs cut out from under him. Kevin Owens is losing the Austin Theory the other night. Yeah, you know, clean on Raw, um, and he's not even going to be in the elimination chamber. And now it sort of feels like we might get a Kevin Owens Seth Rollins WrestleMania match. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with Me too. that. Me too. You know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see who. I, I I just feel like Seth Rollins is your baby better baby face here, but that's going to be hard. That's again. Those two guys are loved so much and liked so much and so so hot in the WWE. It's tough. But back to your original point in the Rumble, the spots. Hell, how many people did we not see in the Rumble that should have been in there? Number one, let's not even talk about NXT because we thought at least one or two NXT stars were getting in. And here. we didn't get any on either NXT, so that's fine, okay. right? That, that was okay. their decision. So that, no fine. women, no men. That, that, that's they made fine. the call. Right. That, that's fine. I have I, I have a problem with it, but Me I'm too. okay with that. At least it's consistent, right? I would have done it. I would have had a few in both, but you know what? They chose not to do it, so that's there's fine. none of them that show At least up. They didn't do it one for one match and one for the other. And then mm-hmm. I would have kind of been saying, okay, something, something. Sorry. But Cesaro didn't get in the Royal Rumble. No, I, so- I mean, how many of them were there? There were tons. There were a like an end. The things that were I thought were really weird. Okay, we didn't get any interaction at all with the Mysterios. 
at all. After everything they've been setting up, we didn't get anything with Orton and Riddle at all. After what they've been setting up, all of these things that they've been teasing, we didn't even get the payoffs where they seemed, at least in the women's match, we got some of them. Sure. We did. But we didn't get, and that's where I think it it does kind of at least make a little bit of sense with some of the things that we've heard about Shane with the booking. And I don't know if it was Shane or whatever, but it does seem like some things were weird. And then what ends up happening is Kofi misses his spot. He blew his spot, which poor Kofi. I mean, that's never happened. Kofi has done some incredible things through the years, but Kofi, he fell in his spot when he was trying to do the, the like amazing, you know, Leap and land on the uh, on the barricade And so Kofi was supposed to have a couple spots in the match with Big E That never ended, ended up happening So <laughs> it, it was it was interesting Wasn't yeah. the worst You know probably not there, There's been some bad runs. No it wasn't the worst but the, but the payoffs weren't They were nowhere near as what Excited as they could have been No at, as we go into WrestleMania, because you could have built so I, look, I, I just it was there for Ray and Dominic. I think that's probably where I was most disappointed because we've been seeing them tease that they were going to eliminate each other. And you how know? hard and is it to just have look. that? How hard is it? It's not hard to have it happen in the middle of the match. That's like this is what Pat Patterson used to do, right? And and Pat Patterson was the guy who used to book these rumbles. Is that's how you book the match from those spots backwards. Like and you now, start with and, Dominic and that, Ray, and it's yeah, like, okay, look, we'll put that in the middle of the match because it's not going to be anything title. So those like those guys will be like thirteen and sixteen, and then they'll come out. You know, that's literally how you start with the match. And then now Dominic Hell feels like he has been buried. That match with the Miz on Monday night that felt like a burial to me, and I love the Miz. It, I, yeah, I, no, it was like, oh, hey, by the way. The Miz kind of needs a win, and by the way, Dominic is definitely not important, and he's not no. on anyone's. It, this isn't doing; it's not no. getting Dominic over. No, there, there was some, look. There was some great moments. The opening match was Seth awesome. Jesus, oh. I didn't like the I didn't like the finish. Me neither. The finish, I understood. I understood it. I understand but, now, but I immediately thought, okay, this is your look. You coming out in the shield gear. Jesus, man, that was man, great. How hot? Could, how, <laughs> that was. That was that, great. I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't think he was going to do that. That was great. That, like I was dude, never even dude, thinking about that. That atmosphere. I, I'm watching this match. I, I'm just like, there's no other. I, I'm sorry, AEW. You can bring Bray Wyatt in. You're just, you're not going to get this anytime soon. The finish was very lackluster. I, you know, and, I, and it makes why, it's weird because. It was one of those finishes where it's like, oh, okay, they're turning Seth Rollins' babyface, but they didn't really go all the way with that yet with Seth. You know, yet, he, still don't get. You kind of got it a little bit, a in, little uh, bit on the KO show on Monday night, but he still was doing his cackling, yeah, feet, and and so I agree. And and they're obviously not going with Seth and Roman for a while. That's not going to be something that they would be able to do till after WrestleMania at the very least. Because yeah, he told you that he was Oh that's on Smackdown That's Smackdown business I'm on Raw And he's know? in the Elimination Chamber Yes correct So he's going to be there already And then it's likely going to be So you know while we're talking all about that And we're talking on the men's stuff let's, And then we'll get to the kind of the women's um, On Raw they set that up So they set up on Raw that Brock Lesnar 
is going to uh, Bobby Lashley is going to be defending his title in the elimination chamber against Brock Lesnar against Seth Rollins. Both of them just got in. They didn't need to qualify or win any matches or anything. But that's what did. pissed Kevin Owens off, and they didn't even get to finish the segment because Austin Theory came out and defeated Kevin Owens. Which was weird. So Austin Th- Theory is going to be in the Elimination Chamber. He beat Kevin Owens for a spot in one of the other spots, which was a, a really cool match that, dang, I, you know, it, I know they, they were doing it to get a spot, but this could have been a feud or like something that they made seem like a big deal because of the history that these two guys had, AJ versus Ray. Yes. They could have done that as like a pay-per-view match somewhere and, and kind of talked about how these are two guys who have had, you know, of, of the smaller guys, maybe some of the best careers in the history of wrestling. Think about the the high flying and the stuff that they do. Um, and that was a really fun match. AJ gets the win, which is great. We love we love seeing AJ in back, you know, in prominent spots as a singles. And then guy Gable has been freaking really entertaining, man, lately. Chad Gable, man. Yeah. He's been great. He's Gable was always entertaining. Yeah. Remember with the ready, willing and Gables with the towels, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. he was, he was awesome. And it just took a little while to find his footing. Now he's, he was wearing the, 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 you know, like they looked like the, the biker outfits and he's got the helmet on and they're doing the scooter race. And so they end up having the match between Riddle and Otis that they, they just say is going to be for a spot in the chamber and Riddle wins. So we've got our chamber set on Raw And so on the men's side We know that it's going to be Lashley defending against Brock, Seth Austin Theory, AJ Styles And Riddle So it's a pretty good group What do you think comes out of that? Like how do you Do you think Brock wins? Do you think they screw Brock over again And it's just Lashley retaining And you know are we gonna are we gonna get the the Brock as the champ versus Roman as the champ to unify the belts at WrestleMania? Let me ask you this, and let's let's be honest here. Does Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns, title versus title, does that excite you? Not really. Is that, is that a Mania match, main event? No. Okay. Do Lesnar Reigns does because it's just built in because of course mm-hmm. Heyman turned he flipped. On Brock at the Royal Rumble, uh, causing, talk- causing Brock to lose the title to Bobby Lashley. So even if Lesnar don't wins, he has the out. That's okay. I'm still going. But Lesnar's not getting. If Lesnar does not win the Elimination Chamber, uh, now does that come down to the last two guys, and then the winner? That that's right because you're yeah. eliminated. Mm-hmm. So. For Lesnar not to win, he would have to be screwed over yet again. Roman and the Usos show up; they come in. He would or, have to be screwed over again. He's not getting or, in. Or maybe he doesn't even make the elimination chamber. They maybe before and it can't get out. Maybe they. I don't know. something. But you're right. There, there, there's got to be a, a because I personally, I could absolutely see them just having Brock Lesnar win the thing. And have it be Lesnar versus Roman. I could do that. The only yeah. problem is, is then again, like I said, if you do that, you really kind of crap on you the do. rest, the whole rest of the roster and everyone else there. Now, so, so got a smash finish then with with Brock losing. Yeah, and and, and you see, build that feud to WrestleMania, and that leads you Lashley the new opportunity. The only problem is, is like who is that? 
I, I, I am hoping, I am hoping it's AJ Styles. That that would be at least fresh. That would at least feel because fresh. If you look at Raw right now. It ain't gonna be the Miz. Uh, it's probably not gonna be Seth Rollins, even though he's in this match. It's not gonna be Riddle. Um, don't think Austin Theory is ready for this type of match. And I'm just looking at people that's in the Elimination Chamber match that has the chance to freaking win it. I don't know why Randy Orton would be involved in it. Um, I'm just looking for Monday Night Show. Yeah. Don't think Rey Mysterio's involved in it. Um, uh, Vera Mahan is finally talking in promos. I, it, it's not going to be Cause, him. Because, see, what's frustrating what they've done now is, like, the two matches they just had at the Royal Rumble would actually, if, from a balance standpoint— like the biggest match that they've got is Brock Roman again, right? That's probably their biggest men's match. But Absolutely. but the problem is after that, the next biggest match doesn't really feel like a big match. It just feels not, like whatever not, it is is thrown yeah. together. Yeah, not with Ashley. And what and see, because see, the problem is is like if if you had Seth versus Roman again now after what you just did. Bobby and Brock, we all sort of wanted, and that still didn't get an ending. Those would actually be better WrestleMania matches. They both feel much more like WrestleMania matches, but they're not going to just do a straight rematch of the same two they had at the Rumble again. And you make a valid point. So a lot of people thought we were, a lot of people, just because Meltzer puts stuff out there and then all the other dirt sheets just report what he reports. And honestly, I'm not trying to crap on Wrestling Inc. and these other no, they just they just get aggregated. They pick up the reports. Oh, and they'll tell you according to Meltzer's mm-hmm. podcast, whatever it is. So we we were we've been led to believe that Seth Rollins and Edge may have a program. If they don't, let's say they do Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Does Edge Lashley excite you? Not, I mean, not really. Like Edge, Edge AJ excites me. Me too. Like way more than Lashley Edge. Like I understand putting Edge into any of those those feuds, but and it's not. I like Lashley. It's just that nobody has been built up to feel like that strong. Like Rollins Lashley. I don't know. I mean, I just there's no way they're gonna put Austin Theory in this. No, right? He doesn't. And the weirdest thing about all of this is that in the last month or two, they've been doing. This weird Bobby Lashley face turn. Right. He was like high fiving the fans as he's walking out to the rumble, <laughs> which I like face Lashley. I'm not going to lie. I, I, like he shouldn't. Wh- why is he a heel? There's yeah. nothing. He's not a dick. He's just a badass guy. He's just a tough dude. He's never been. The only time, really, time he was a heel was because he had MVP being heely, you know, but he's not. So. This is a real problem that I've I've had and I was finding with um with all of the programming on wrestling this week and we're going to get to AEW in a minute. I know they're doing the we we we're doing shades of gray. Good guys and bad guys are outdated, you know, the Vince pro- but sometimes you have to have good guys and bad guys because yeah. you have to just like who that, was that's the why when 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 with Big E moving to SmackDown that you know, I thought okay, I you know look, I, I thought Big E may may have a shot at winning the Rumble, and we're going Big E Lashley, just mm-hmm. not big, just not big enough because Brock lost his title. So I and Big E Lashley would have been a fine match to have on the card that Ronda is going to be the main event of, right? But 
If Lesnar does not win the title, Lashley mentioned, he's already told you on Raw, I want to go to WrestleMania and unify this title with Roman Reigns. That is concerning that that's going to happen because seriously, look on this Raw. Look what just happened on Monday Night Raw. Tell me who is other than AJ Styles. What excites you? We know Edge is going to have a program at Raw. We just know it. He, he did, he, I mean, he's back. He deserves it. But with who? Him saying, I want Lashley. Look, now we're stuck into this build to Elimination Chamber. When is the Elimination Chamber, Gino? I'm just putting you on the spot. The 18th, February okay. 18th in the morning, uh, 12, 12 okay. noon Eastern so time. We can't speculate about WrestleMania until after that match. Mm-hmm. And then after that match, you will know what's going to happen with <laughs> Lashley, Lesnar, and Roman Reigns because I, I just can't figure it out unless Lesnar wins the title because if Lesnar gets screwed over, I just don't know what you do with Bobby Lashley. And, and as you said, if we unify these titles, I, it just doesn't it, – It's not know. good for the shows. It's know. not good for the TV shows. Know, if you have two separate TV shows on two separate networks, it's not good because you just have less – you have less to do. You have you have less. And you burn out somebody. Mm-hmm. You burn them out, right? You do. It's not as special. You can walk out with three titles. Didn't didn't do anything for Kenny Omega to have all those titles, right? He had AEW, New Japan's, and Impact. And you know, I don't think we've heard from Kenny Omega since. I look and I try. I'm just just no one. No, no. I, I see, just, see, I, if I we just, had if we have know, like setting things up, just like playing it out in our head. If it ends up being Riddle versus Orton. AJ Styles versus Edge, Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens on matches on the Raw side. That w- I would love that. Th- those are great matches. The, the, but the problem is, like, who's facing Lashley? <laughs> you're, you're supposedly your most important guy, which, look, Lashley's a badass. I, I, you know, he, he's had some interesting runs as champion. To get it back and to lose it quickly, it, that's a WWE thing. They could do it. Or... You know, Lesnar getting screwed over at the elimination chain. He's not getting beat clean. Just not. No, no. He's just not. And and I think there's no way in hell they don't do at Lesnar Reigns in Dallas, Texas at AT AT&T Stadium on one of those nights. Whether it's for both titles or just for one, that Mm. match has to be made. And you've got Roman, who's been the heel all along. You had Brock, who was a babyface, but then Paul Heyman... Came back with him so he was Sort of a heel but then Paul Heyman now turned on him But Brock didn't really do anything To change so now Brock is kind of A baby face again But you know he was just with Paul Heyman so people probably don't really All want to root for Brock that much It's just sort of a weird dynamic now again And look at the, the women So on the women's side Your top three women right now Are Charlotte, Ronda And Becky and they're all heels or my, Rhonda's supposed to be a baby face, I guess. But how how do they not know she's obviously that we went through this before? You know that if you put her up against Becky, they're gonna boo Rhonda. If you put her up against Charlotte, they'll probably cheer Rhonda. But it's not as if Rhonda is a baby face. She she crap talks wrestling all the time. Just make her a heel. It's fun. Like she likes wrestling, but she talks down about it. She jo- like she does all the things that a heel would do. Have her be a heel. Like come out at the rumble, get the pop. That's fine. But then on Monday night, she should. 
I don't know. It just it's it ends up being weird because I think right now there's a lot of really big stars, but they're not giving us a lot of reason to want to root for them, other than just oh hey here's your star, but they're kind of an ass. What makes most sense to you? Most exciting to you? Charlotte versus Ronda or Becky versus Ronda? Becky versus Ronda feels more exciting, but I think it's the same sort of thing where Becky Ronda versus Charlotte is totally fine. Like I have no problem. It, it's a big match still. It feels and the match will be good. But and then you can do Becky versus Bianca, which has felt like it was supposed to happen all along. Because that's the problem now. It's like what's gonna happen with Bianca? Or oh, Chief Well well look, here's the deal. Two weeks ago, we were let we were led to the trough and we we knew that Charlotte and Lita are were having right. a match at WrestleMania. Right. It was like, and, oh, Charlotte and Lita, and now and nope. then at nope Monday night, it looks like it's Becky and Lita, which should be really cool. And that's going to be right. an elimination chamber, right? Uh, yes. So, oh. I, what what as you said with Bianca, what 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 do you do? Uh, look, Alexa Bliss is still doing these multiple segments. I thought she, you know, maybe she's maybe she's hurt. I don't know. She wasn't in the Rumble. I think we were all disappointed in that. I think we were disappointed because we had heard Paige had been cleared. Um, she wasn't in the Rumble. Uh, we've already bitched to complain that no NXT people were in there. So, but uh, out uh, look Monday night you had Bianca Blair defeat Carmella. Rhea Ripley defeated Nikki Ash. So I think Rhea Ripley, Nikki, hopefully should be done. I think Nikki's probably going to be a thorn in the side a little bit uh, of her. I, I, I just, again, uh, Becky Lita will be fun. Uh, what do you do with Becky at WrestleMania? She's th- Is her and Bianca, does it feel like, eh? You, you can't do Becky and Alexa, do you? I mean, and, and Becky that's... And, uh, Becky Rhea? What do you what do you what what are you doing? I don't the know. The only and 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 what's what's frustrating now is that after you tee you if you're going to do Becky and Bianca, which is totally fine if you do, you can't tease the Ronda match. No. You can't do it. Don't even put Ronda out there on Raw to mention Becky. You just have her say, Charlotte, screw you, I'm coming after you. And then you do the Becky thing later because now this is the problem again with Becky. She, they just turned her heel when nobody wanted to boo her, but then they finally got to the point where it's like, okay, Becky is literally blasting my city and my town, so I'm gonna kind of boo her. You're like, why do I want to cheer her? And, and now, I felt sorry for her in that dewdrop spot because they I know. Just so disinterested after Ronda it was the, Rumble, it was the dead spot too because everybody got up for the Rumble. Everybody was like, oh wow, Ronda Rousey's back, and then it's like, you're, whatever's next is the cool down match. It's always going to be 13 that way. minutes, you know? you know, and it's not even so, like it, the match. The in-ring work was fine. Oh, there was nothing do, wrong with the match. I just drop is good. It just me, I totally agree. It was it's a bummer. And so what they've been doing with Becky, it's like she's got to be a face in this moment. She goes and she has an interaction in the ring with Charlotte. Of course, yeah. she's going to be a baby face there. Then she comes back and she's against Bianca and everybody loves Bianca. But Becky's like a bigger star than Bianca. I don't. They're not doing a lot of things really well right now. And I think what they've been doing is like, oh, look, Brock's here. Ronda's here. Roman Reigns is here. We've got the big stars. I'll give them a little bit of a pass for, you know, the Roman COVID stuff because that maybe screwed up 
a couple of their stories and the what they've had to tell since then, but simple is better sometimes. Yeah. Simple yeah, can be really easy. And that's where I get into it with AEW when they try to overcomplicate and convolute things. And you know what? The match to me in the women's rumble where we had, you know, Ronda win, we had a, some some cooler spots at least in there. You know, um <laughs> summer dropping F bombs. Mickey looked fantastic, you know, and and she was all fired up. Mickey was like really pumped up to be there. Naomi got finally got her little moment with Sonya. They continued that on a little bit. The one one that was kind of weird that you and I were talking about, the Liv Morgan with the Bellas. Now, if we get a Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan match against the Bellas, then I'm then I'm cool with that. Absolutely. But if they don't do that. Then I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be upset with it. If it I, led- I, th- I think you bring the Bellas back for Mania, they're too big. Yeah, I think whether, look, you don't have to like live. them. I, I I'm not the biggest fans of them. I can Me, tell you I this: know, yeah. I know a lot of people who are. Me too. Okay. Um, I, I would bring them back, and, and then you Liv. let Liv get the comeuppance. You have Liv, and you have her friend Sarah Loga, Logan, who was fired. You have this cool moment for them to get a. A match, a win at WrestleMania, and that's a way to keep building Liv, give her something. Because would you, would you be okay with Liv in a singles match against uh, either of the Bellas, uh, Nikki? Sure, okay. absolutely. With with Liv against one of them, and then she's got her friend in her corner, okay. you know, and and Breeze in the other corner. I could, I, I think I I could see that happening more of a tag team, unless they want. I mean, you still could put both Bellas in there, mm-hmm. you know? unless they wanted to do both Bellas. But sure, sure. That could be like a really good low on the card match at WrestleMania, you know. And you it, it look, but you can't touch. You can't. You get to hear them come out, and then you get to have let live a babyface who you put a lot of money and invested a lot of time into in TV this year. You let her get a win at WrestleMania. That looks good. Yeah, one of the Bellas is on that Fox show, Dirty Dancing Reality, which goes over the next several weeks. So I could see them continuing this Bella thing. You know, um, I, I, I'm for that. I, I, now, I'm, for that. I'm for it. Do uh, the like the most surprising the, that mixed tag match was good, man. The yep was the the, the um, yep, Edge and Beth Phoenix versus the Miz and Maurice. Maurice was fantastic. Yes, God, I love her. I'm I look. She's I'm a gorgeous. fanboy. Her, gosh, if you're not following her on Instagram, just do yourself a favor and just do it. Open yeah. an Instagram account. It's free, and just follow Maurice. She's very active on there. She likes so, posting pictures of herself. We even got a in the in the women's rumble. We even got the Carmella, the Naomi Cameron spot, which was kind of cool. You know what? Cameron yeah. looked pretty good. She was in yeah. good shape, and she was way better than she was when she was in the WWE years back. <laughs> oh, right? I was like, whoa. She, would you okay? Would you be okay with Sonya saying Cameron versus Naomi on SmackDown or Elimination Chamber? And if sure. you beat her, if you beat her, I'll have finally have a match with you. Or sure. Something like that. Yeah, I absolutely. can get into that. Bring bring her. That. Bring her in for sure. Yeah, use use her a little bit for the next couple months. I'm I'm fine with that. We had the fun um uh ivory with the uh, yeah. the right to yeah. censor. That was goofy and that was exactly what it was supposed to be, right? Rhea just tosses her out. At least Rhea sort of looked pretty good in the match too, you know? Yes. She looked kind of like Rhea. We had the fun um, superhero Nikki and and Molly, you know, the old superhero and then this superhero. So 
And then there was a little bit with Ronda and Shayna. We could have gotten more, but but yeah. the women's match had a, did a lot better job of at least. Those were spots that we were either expecting or they made sense. The men didn't do very many of those. Look, before we go move on from the women's, were you surprised that Sha- Sasha Banks didn't last as long and how she was eliminated? Yeah, I I wonder what her health status is, and o- I almost wonder if they were like, hey, look. Sasha can't win this thing or she can't do that much But let's get her in there for a little while At the beginning of the match We get the star power there And then we don't even want her at the end with Ronda And all the other surprises But I, because 100% If she was ready and healthy She should always be around at the end Or be eliminated by someone That's a really big deal Leading to a feud for her Okay Always, always If she's healthy at Mania What are you doing with her? Gosh, right? The ones that I'm looking at for Mania right now, it's like her. So are are we saying it's going to be Charlotte, Ronda, and then Becky, someone else? Well, Ronda said she's going to Smack. She's going to play this for a while, right? She yeah. Said she's going to SmackDown. We're we're getting ratings, and ratings popped on Monday night. It was the it was the Royal Rumble fallout, and they did a good job with with promoting that. Um, and I thought Raw was was I, I look I love qualifying matches. Any stakes in any matches? They're always good. Number right? one contenders. Whether you, like, whether you like the result and said, "Oh, he should have went over," at, at least the match was good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they did a very good job. Um, th- I, I don't know. That's why I asked the question earlier. I, what makes most sense? We cannot do a triple threat with them, and I no. feel like we did it again. They, we did they it before did that. I know and we've already and we've already been there and it was bad. It got cut short. Remember, they it wasn't. Were over, it, it wasn't. It wasn't good. Yeah, it's, it wasn't as good as it could have been. The the singles with both of them would be better. Would I'm be just, better, honestly. I'm just talking I'm, out loud. Sasha and, I, and honestly, the the, the, the match with Becky, she, Sasha, Rhea, Bianca, Sasha, Bianca are the ones right now that I'm like, hmm, because they have to be in something. And the same thing, Rhea feels sort of like she's in that conversation. Like, if they don't have a match for Bianca, I would love Rhea and Bianca to do what, you know, like Kurt Angle or Shawn Michaels used to do and come out and say, hey, look, they don't have anything for us at WrestleMania. Let's you and I have a match at WrestleMania and tear the house down. Like, that would be great. Let them open the show. And you have Bianca versus Rhea as sort of like a de facto number one contenders match. Whoever wins that match will kind of be the next one to go after the title. And... And then maybe you go Becky, Ronda, and then on the other one you can go Sasha, Charlotte. And that actually, I mean, that would fit perfectly. But but the problem is WWE is not smart enough. They wouldn't do that with Rhea and Bianca. They wouldn't be like, I, let's I, let's use the two of them because they, they don't have anything to do. They just wouldn't do that. They would just yeah. end up doing something goofy or they'd put them in a tag. They'd like I, throw I feel they exist. For some reason, I feel, I feel it. I don't know why. I feel we're getting Ronda, Charlotte. Yeah, they, they, and if they do, and they give you Bianca, Becky, that's fine. But the problem is, and maybe, and maybe that's what they do. And maybe they have Bianca beat Becky, and then Becky can hug Bianca afterwards, kind of have her sort of babyface turn, and then Becky can go be the babyface against Ronda. Okay, so let me tell you this: if we have a unification title match for the men. Are we doing it for the women? That that would have to be the main event on each night. And then and then the problem ends up being what what happens for your shows? Do they right. think okay, maybe we have one of the women, the women like be more on one and the men? Because we well, just I'm, had a damn draft. I know. 
<laughs> and, and and honestly, Coop, the way that the WWE has been making cuts, it would it would make sense if they were to sort of cut down on the brand split because they don't have as many. They cut a lot of talent. Yeah, that that they were were getting because of the brand split. So if they're thinking, hey, we're going to be using a lot of the same people again on SmackDown and on Raw, we don't need as many different type of people, different. You know, layers and different levels of of contenders. Ah, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I'm I'm never a fan of. I when you have the two separate shows on two separate networks, I think you should have the two separate champions. And and maybe right we're now, reading too much into and it. And maybe we are. We'll you see. And we'll find out in a few weeks. I guess where where things lie. But I mean, for the most part, I think I'm looking through Raw. Yeah, Rhea beat Nikki. I mean, we've kind of hit on. Almost everything Miz we talked about getting that win over Mysterio You mentioned the Alexa therapy session I love how the the um, the therapist says Now Alexa this is not Lily This is the Lily doll that I bought on WWEshop.com You know he said it It was like great plug there Great plug I thought an interesting match was Angelo Dawkins and Dolph Ziggler I know he got a win in his hometown. How about that? He did. So I'm okay with that. Me too. You know, I don't I'm a dirty that. dog, but I'm okay yeah. with that. Me too. And I love Dolph, but that was a little, yeah, that was a bummer um, to see him getting beat. They called him like a gatekeeper, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is one yeah. of the words. Uh, so, yeah, Owens lost to Austin Theory there. You mentioned Angelo getting the clean win there. And we got Riddle getting the win over Otis. And Bianca got a win just to keep her looking strong there. She beat Carmella. We then. Well, we uh, sure do have a lot of Alexa Bliss segments every week now. I know, right? Jeez. So that, it, that, you know. So maybe she's somewhere. We haven't talked about her, right? Like the her and Charlotte thing is obvious because Charlotte was the one that sent her packing with Lily and the ripping up of the doll. I don't know if that's mania, but. You know, they could do something big at Mania with her and the Lily doll and the Lilies and like a, <laughs> a big blown up Lily doll that like comes down on Charlotte or something. I don't know. Jeez. Ew, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And then we had the, we had the AJ Ray match, which was also really good. Yeah. Was great. And then people because like with Rhonda also, the thing about her is she's not a fantastic promo. No, she's not. Never and she's a good been. heel promo. She's fine when she just has to say short, sweet. I want to beat your ass, this and that, boom. But she's not out there like cutting long and winding. And, and then they had some piped in crowd noise in the back that was just so like awful timed with, with when she's getting cutting her promo. So just put put people in better spots to succeed. So what Paul okay, Heyman so did in going, ECW. If we're going Becky Lita in Elimination Chamber, is Becky showing up on SmackDown? No, she shouldn't. I think okay. it should be because it should just be Charlotte there. I think Rhonda and Charlotte get into it. Maybe Charlotte attacks her, and that's what ends up leading Rhonda to say, "Screw it, I'm coming after you." You know, okay. some I don't know something like that. But it should. It's it's again like from a what are the WWE looking for right now? Are they looking for their biggest match, or are they looking to have a couple of the best mat like matches? Right? Do you want one awesome match, or do you want two the the best two that you can get? That would probably be Charlotte and Rhonda and then Becky and Bianca. But the best one that they could have is Becky Rhonda, no doubt. But it's babyface Becky. It's not heel Becky. Like 
People don't want to cheer for Ronda and boo Becky in that situation. It can't happen that way. It would flip. Like you just can't. They have to understand that and just give in. If that's where they're going to go, then you just have to give into it and turn Ronda into a heel and have people boo her and then have people cheer Becky because Becky's going to crush her on the mic every time they talk. Yes, that's true. She's just going to destroy her. She did it on Twitter when they were feuding before. She would just crush her on Twitter. And it was like, Ronda would just get mad and just be like, shut up, you know, and she can't really like, she didn't know what they were saying back. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, Raw, it's funny because we were critiquing a lot, but it was actually a pretty good show. Um, just, I, it was. I just think they could handle it, like, felt like a show that's like, okay, it was like a B minus, or right now things are like in a B minus direction where they could be like an A minus or an A if you just tweaked them a little. And uh, hopefully, we will get there. We will get to NXT 2.0, and we will get to where the uh, Imperium versus the Diamond Mine right off the bat to kick things off. Imperium gets the win, but this was a uh, a six man tag, so it was Gunther and and Marcel Barthel and Eichner versus Roderick Strong and the Creed Brothers here. Imperium gets the victory. They stand tall, and I, bl- I believe these teams. Are going are they're both st- or no the the Creed brothers are still alive though in the tournament they face uh they have a match coming up still in the uh, in the Dusty Cup and if they win that then they'll be able to get an opportunity to face this uh the, you know the Imperium for the tag team titles so at least our guys the Creed brothers are looking strong I mean they didn't get the win here but they they look good in the ring and this is a good you know I feel like they I feel like they might win the tournament you think so I think so I think so. Uh- I, I, as we talked about it earlier, I, I've been a Creed Brothers fan. Hey, look, I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, years back, I enjoyed a couple of Creed albums. Okay, I, look, I, I honey, did. why are you calling me <laughs> so late? I knew you'd give me one. I knew you would give me one. That's why I did it. That's why I did it. Um, no, the Creed Brothers have been unique since day one. They had some weird booking there and lost for a week or two, uh, but things are back on track. They're cutting pretty cool promos now. Um, the opening match was 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 pretty damn good. Um, like you, anytime, Gunther um, Gunther is involved with Imperium. It just makes them so much better. Even though I think we're we're a lot solid, more solid now with Imperium, even without him. Uh, and Diamond Mine still feel strong. Uh, they do, uh, despite Roderick losing his title. Um, I, I, I like the Creed Brothers. I, man, I still think the, these bracket busters. Man, they had a they had a segment again. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting when Mandy falls on. Dude, is this he NXT? To, is this NXT or Sex ST? Seriously, right? everything on this show was like getting. <laughs> Stiffies, we're getting people Sex going to like we're getting all this sexual stuff. I mean, sheesh. Wow. Yeah. Last it, week, Ollie J's coming in, you know. We finally had Wendy Chu in her match in her, you know, her her outfit. I mean, uh Mandy Rose and Kaylee Ray are throwing spaghetti and cake all over each other. It, it was, yeah. It was and I think I was singing so real quick, while we're on this tangent, because that song was it one of the Creed because I think I just sang was singing Hinder, but the Creed song that I that they did that awesome one on the video, one of the WWE video, um, 
before the pay-per-views. Remember the My Sacrifice? Oh, yeah, I almost just said that. Yeah. That was a great one. Like, well, I can't remember what that was for, what pay-per-view, but that was I, I can like see the cuts in the video and how awesome it was you, in man. the background. If somebody told you I have never liked Creed and all that bull crap. Crap, you're full we, of it. You're full look, of it. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't like Nickelback, even though we all know the words to just you know, and they both, you know, we both imitate Scott Stapp and, and Nickelback the same way. But look, Creed, Creed was was cool. Yeah, you know, when you are with me, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, good, arms wide open under <laughs> the sunlight. <laughs> yeah, can you take me right. higher? I, Say what karaoke here on uh, on that's what G said yeah. with Coop. But yeah, yeah Coop, we had. With a lot of sexual innuendos on uh, <laughs> on, on NXT is um, gosh man I didn't you know we talked about it I didn't love the the result man LA freaking night is such a star dude and all and the crowd stuff. are people are starting to really catch on to his uh, fact of life and the yeah. Yeah, oh, that's the best. That, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see it right now if in a in a spot where he was on the main roster in a crowd that that was hot and he'd be just sitting there for a couple of minutes doing the yeah, you know, the yeah, the yeah, 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 and it would just be great, man. This guy there, I think and I hope I, I think they're just like letting him really fit like. Play out the baby face thing because I think that's how they want him to come up. Because man, this dude can cut pro. He is so dead ready and set for the main roster right now. Bring him up, put him on our main roster. One hundred percent. I mean, I, I, what what else is there to do for LA Knight on NXT? Seriously, uh, next week he has a match with um, uh, Grayson's uh, Harlan good- Hart, whatever. Uh no uh oh no uh, Grayson's big dude Grayson's yeah. guy yeah was it Sanga Sanja yeah. how do you, whatever <laughs> you know he's working him didn't didn't like the way that L.A. Knight took a loss to Gacy I, I that's not a way to get that gimmick over I'm just sorry uh we I, at, at the beginning I thought it had a chance I liked it he was creepy maybe they're going Bray Wyatt with it him beating L.A. Knight even with the help of Grayson Waller that just I, I didn't like that at all. No, I, I don't you know. Like maybe, maybe maybe you're 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 knocking L.A. Knight to build him back up again, but there, you don't need to build him back up again. No, he's built. Hard. He's yeah. built. This dude is ready to rock. We um we went to Cora versus. This is probably exactly what we needed from Cora versus Raquel. Yeah, you know, uh, Raquel beats Cora, but Cora earns the respect there. And now they're going to go uh, team up together and and win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for the women. So, yeah, I mean, Cora Jade is I, I love her. She's adorable. She's like a great baby face. I think they're doing a pretty good job with her. And it just feels like with Raquel and with there there feel like there's three or four people right now on this NXT that are just a little bit out of place. Raquel, she's at least involved, but Raquel Dakota. Uh, EO and LA Knight and now even kind of Champa and Dunn, they just don't really feel like they have much to do there anymore. No, they don't. And I know you 
you can't have all of them leave because you still need some of them there to to interact with all of the new, you know, the new people. You can't just have oh, a completely new roster. But there's a lot of them that just kind of feel like, eh, okay, they don't have all that much to do. Uh, we we saw Pete Dunn who taunt Tony D and bragged about the uh, the attack on the arm, and he challenges him to a steel cage match. Yeah. So that should be good. Tony yeah. D versus Pete Dunn. They've had a fun little uh, TV feud. For the uh, the last month or so, we got Saray versus <laughs> Kayla Inlay, and <laughs> Saray gets the win here. Um, what have you thought about how they've kind of tweaked her a little bit? Well, uh, so she I, she goes from the schoolgirl, she pulls out the necklace, and then she I transforms did, into like bright. Yeah, I I, I kind of didn't get that, but I'm glad. She's back. I think they need, you know, I I don't know here. They're, we're doing, I'll say this with WWE, as compared to AEW, when we get to Dynamite, at least they showcase their women's talent. When AEW don't even have their women's champion on, and you have Brandy and Paige Van Zant going at it as your women's feature, Say what you want to. At least WWE are, are putting these ladies out there and letting them have. And that. some of these gimmicks are going to need to be changed and tweaked or whatever, Multiple right? Multiple times. But but we're getting a lot of them out there, and these are talented women. Saray is great. She hasn't just she hasn't connected though, like no, at like all. Oscar or Kyrie or EO has. It, you know, no, it just no. it hasn't been. We haven't seen that. We a uh, little vignette with Duke Hudson, who apparently. Uh, uh, Persia, Persia wanted to swipe, wanted to swipe onto Duke, huh? And, uh, <laughs> and and then and then Dexter just gives the thumbs down, you know. And then they they gotta they run off to the hot tub a little later. And then so, what's his name from the uh uh from the uh God, I was calling them uh Inofe? No, uh, with Dexter. Oh, yeah, uh, Chen. You talking Dante no. Chen? No. No, not Dante Chen. Who, look, who's the country boy tag gimmick? Oh, oh because, gosh, Brooks, Brooks, yeah. I, the, the, Brooks the, and Jensen. Duke's a hazard. Oh uh, my gosh, he comes in and and he's his sexual promos are getting worse week after week. I mean, what was it? We didn't talk about it last week. You thought, wait a minute, I I don't want to be that guy. I'm not talking about like that. What are we? What are we? Then he's like, well, hey, you know, I, you know, we could go to my pickup truck and sing some country music. And I'm like, what are we doing? Is this, da- this is like the, da- there's so much dating going on here. There this is, is. you know, is we just- laugh at, we laugh at factions with AEW. Hey, but there's a ton of dating going on on NXT 2.0. There, there <laughs> really, really is. We, um, we saw Breaker and Champa. Uh, just a little interaction Showing some respect backstage And then that actually leads to uh, The match a little bit later on Which of course we uh, You know we weren't surprised To see Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa Get the win in the main event um, Over Legado del Fantasma But it's You know it's fine it's like a good a good use of Ciampa There the match was really good I'm kind of curious what Where do you think they're going to go with with someone like Ciampa next uh, I don't know man um, I, I don't know You know it was a good strong main event w- w- 
again, the same question with LA Knight, what do you do with these guys? You know, in one aspect, you bring them up to the main roster. And then another aspect is, well, you need some solid, solid, you know, strong, strong over gimmicks to remain on NXT 2.0, right? So I don't know. I, 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 I know you pay me the big bucks to answer these questions. Uh, on this week in wrestling, I don't know what you do with these type of people. I, I, I mean, you already had him at Breaker. Um, they're tagging now. Uh, don't think you can have another match with them after Braun and and uh, what's his name have a match uh, at uh, Vengeance Day or whatever they're calling Heartbreakers Day or whatever they're calling. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, on NXT, um, I don't know, man. It puts them in a interesting position because it seems like they push so many newcomers. It's like uh, Draco Anthony from Houston, Texas, who gets signed uh, straight out of uh, the performance center. And then you start having these promos with him and he shouldn't have beat Andre Chase. Of course not. But then he loses. Um so I, I don't know what you do with Tommaso. I, I don't know. I mean, who on this roster does he have a feud with next? And what and for for really for what reason? You know, exactly. maybe There's no place else to go for him except down. Maybe you I, you have him show up one more time with Braun, and then he's just kind of off for a little while. And and if you I don't want know him, what his contract situation is either. Yeah, I, and I if, you, if you want him, he shows up after Mania somewhere, right? And he comes up on the main roster. If you don't, then Maybe he's someone backstage, or I don't know, you put him in a tag team or something, but he just doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot to do, unfortunately. It's not that he's ever bad when he's out there. His matches are great. He's always entertaining. You just feel like you're kind of going in circles um, with with, uh, with Ciampa. We got Grimes and Carmelo and Trick, so we're ha- we're heading in this direction with, uh, with Grimes, and uh, Grimes is going to be facing Carmelo for... Uh, for his title there. So, I mean, I don't think Grimes is going to win. I would love him too, but it's a, you know, sort of a major feud that he's being built for. And, you know, it's a good spot for Grimes. He's, he is someone who, I mean, I could see if they want him to hang around for a while, actually eventually be a, an NXT champion or a North American champion type person. So they've tweaked him a little bit. They like, they seem like they like his look. Like he's got a lot of the things that they want. He can wrestle, he can talk. And he's, you know, he can, he's funny. I think you can have him as babyface or heel if you want. So um, I'm always a fan of Grimes. Yeah. And I don't see him moving up. I would be surprised if he moved up. Not that he shouldn't be. I think he's in a perfect place right now. Um, what was fun between him and LA Knight and the million dollar man with the million dollar belt kind of ended sourly. The thing with Duke Hudson was, it was okay. It was meh at best. And now he's, you know, the game, like you said, they've cut his hair a little bit. Does he beat Carmelo? I doubt it. But I, I think he's one of these strong guys that sticks around and is always in a title picture. We then, uh, we, yeah, we, you mentioned Wendy Chu. We did see <laughs> Tiffany Stratton there um, for a, a bit. Is, uh, the Wendy Chu gets the win over Amari Miller. So Stratton comes out, slides Miller the credit card, but then Chu rolls her up for uh, uh, Chu rolls her up and then clotheslines her for the win. 
And so I mean the chew can go The gimmick is a little goofy you know they got to figure it out They got to figure the stuff out with with Stratton But I think I was saying the other day It's I, I actually kind of get a kick out of watching Like all of these really talented people Figure it out and work these things out This is what NXT was on the network Before it became the third brand And it was it was fun and it was entertaining Then unfortunately then what happened was The product Became so 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 good that now it feels like a drop back down and I understand why people feel that way but this is kind of always what it was supposed to be you know watching some of these younger newer uh, developmental wrestlers trying out new gimmicks getting like getting used to the WWE style and so yeah there're going to be some goofy things here and there but there're going to be some pretty funny things that you you find along the way like our guy <laughs> Chase yeah Andre Chase baby He's awesome, man. He's over. He's so over. And he gets a win, Andre (laughs) Chase does, over Draco Anthony, uh, who we got a little vignette from. He's a U.S. Marine. He made his NXT debut tonight. But Andre Chase gets the win there. And this is one of those, like, lovable loser gimmicks that got turned, and people are getting behind this now. You know, and he's got this gimmick little punchline. During the match, um, he, he's got his buddy. He's got a student. His Bodie is with him. Um, look, this guy, this gimmick has has had me since day one. Never thought he could be a, you know, this soon he could be a popular face. But this guy and this gimmick is over. I'm seeing more Chase U uh, fraternity sweaters. Uh, inside the NXT 2.0 building than I've ever had before, and that's good to see. I like that. Chase, uh, Chase getting the the dub there. So at the end, we actually had Kaylee Ray chasing Mandy into the ring, and Kaylee threatened her with a baseball bat. So she gets the title <laughs> shot <laughs> next week. Uh, Mandy landed. You mentioned earlier on uh, Idris uh, laugh. <laughs> what did what did Wade Barrett said? He says. Things are starting to stiffen up, <laughs> which, which popped me for sure. So you know, as we talk about these new gimmicks, we saw another new female vignette, Nikita Lyons. Um, don't know much about her. She was talking about she'd been on the road. Her dad was a singer in a rock band. Yeah, the, the singer gimmick. Yeah, you know, deal. I just wonder why there couldn't be a spot for Scarlett Boudreaux in this version of NXT Two. I know. That's what kind of, after I saw this show again, look, we know they keep one and they let the other one go because that's all over the place, right? I I mean, there's multiple couples that are in different companies, (laughs) you know, throughout because most wrestlers date wrestlers and marry wrestlers. That's just the way it is. I I just, nothing on, on, on killer and carrying cross, nothing. I'm not taking it away because what they did to him was. Embarrassing, but Scarlett Boudreaux, this her own NXT would have two point would have been perfect in my opinion. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I agree. It felt like there should have been a an opportunity I for her. A ton of money on OnlyFans. And she's gorgeous but, out there too. Look, yeah, she's a, she's a professional wrestler. I'm sure she wants to be inside the squared circle too. But you know, I thought it was entertaining NXT two I, I I thought it was. There's hits. There's misses. But you know what? That's how every Wrestling show is as we get on over to AEW for Dynamite. We opened it up with John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. 
And uh, Danhausen gets the crowd loves this guy. He's goofy as hell. He's, and I actually get a kick out of him too. You know what? So he's he's but Moxley like looked at him like what the hell? He he did this like ooh like thing to Moxley. It was it was great. Uh, and then after the match, this is interesting. Yeah, Brian Danielson comes out and he asks everyone, "You want to see us fight?" And the crowd's chanting yes. And he said, "I used to, but." Now I want to fight with you He says you were the best world champion If you had some support you'd still be World champion He said we shouldn't be fighting together We should be or fighting apart We should be fighting together There should be no millennial cowboy That's a champion or someone Dressed as a dinosaur or Someone whose biggest contribution is Creating a vlog He says, How, they many, could- how many promos is it going to Take Daniel Bryan Crapping on AEW talent (laughs) I thought it was a good promo though Me too and you're you're right and it was so funny Because I thought that It was the first time where he actually Gave somebody credit in Moxley Yes almost he's He's almost always crapping on all of them But this was the first time where he was actually like Hey you know what You were the best and I and I think Together we could and he even said like if you Want to be the champ I'll help you Do that you know like it was it was very interesting And I like that They could Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Anderson mentioned a couple of guys That he would want to you know Kind of take under his wing We could right. see these guys together With another faction right We could see Daniel <laughs> Bryan get a few We could see Moxley say Screw it you know I'm going the other direction I just I'm intrigued I'm intrigued I thought it was pretty good Yes absolutely and Now the next part um, so this segment got a ton of heat But wow am I kind of confused And not sure what's going on And where we're going So Brandy comes out And she says everyone's so nice to her In Cleveland, oh Chicago Oh you know same thing This is one of the first times that she was 1000% leaning into being a heel Yes And so then Dan Lambert interrupts her He says she needs a reality check he said Cody didn't earn his spot Chief brand officer Is not a real role And he said uh, Brandy from the block Accent is as fake as the Bulldogs popping out of her chest <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he, he says he actually feels like a decent Human being standing next to her And then Brandy Says the only reason why Ethan Page is there Is because they wanted to get closer to Josh Alexander <laughs> that was great. That was pretty good. Brandy says that you know Lambert has this you know t- America's top team, but the crowd starts telling her to shut the f up. Yeah, she, for a little while can barely speak, and then she's starting to get a little rattled. Like she was trying to play it cool, and she was doing the best she could. And she was like, "I'm gonna roll through this like I do everything at AEW." It's like, what are you talking about? What? I was like, We're, <laughs> "What?" And so. She says that their best fighter got knocked out by Jake Paul And then Dan says it's time the whole family goes heel And he says he has an idea for Brandy And here comes Paige Van Zant. <laughs> Looks great yes, Now she, she comes out and she's like going after Brandy And Brandy is doing this like don't hold me back Don't hold me back thing you know And like people are holding her back It was like so the segment got heat I will say that like I'll say that the crowd was kind of into it The problem is I don't know where they're going Because 
We cannot get a Page versus Brandy one-on-one match. That cannot happen. That that <laughs> will not be good. That cannot happen. <laughs> now, maybe we get some sort of a mixed tag, which I'd at least be okay with. Like if it was like Page and Scorpio Sky or Ethan pa- Page and Page, Page Van Zandt and Ethan Page. There you go. Versus Cody and and Brandy. Okay. The the thing is is so Dan Lambert is the baby face here. And then he's the heel in the other right. segment with Adam Page later. It makes zero sense. I'm glad you brought that up. What? I, it just makes zero sense. And Cody doesn't want to be a heel, and Brandy was trying to be one. I, I, it's this is exactly what I was saying about WWE, right? So this isn't an, this isn't a like picking on AEW thing. I've had the same gripe. Who are we supposed to root for? It, rooting for Dan Lambert because we are rooting against Brandy is not the same thing as rooting for someone. You know, like, there's no, so, I don't, you know, I don't know how long, he even said, the guy who hates AEW is getting cheered. He's like, I come out here and rip AEW, and that's how much people hate you. They still would rather cheer me than you. And he, he said, I'm inevitably going to be popped for cancel culture soon, which was, was great that he just, like, admitted it. But I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I, if you want him to be the baby face in here, that's fine, but then you can't have him in the other program cutting heel promos on Adam Page. <sighs> it, it doesn't it's just so in, it's very inconsistent. I don't know. I, I mean then then so loved the start, the Brian Danielson Moxley stuff, fantastic. Loved the end and the main event, which was about 45 minutes, which we're going to get to and took up a lot of the show. The stuff in the middle. I mean Matt Hardy, private party, Sammy Guevara, Isaiah Cassie wants a shot, Andrade doesn't know where Darby Allen is. More, I mean, what is going on? Yeah, this? I, like I, this I is so much and so. And what does it matter? I know just, it just seems like, hey, we need to put Matt Hardy and. Uh, They're never in bigger important feuds. It's never yeah. anything. And if you're in a match, Matt's losing. You know, it's pretty obvious, especially on main, you know, especially on Dynamite or Rampage, because I, I just don't think a lot of people are tuning in on Monday or Tuesday nights, regardless. Um, just odd. Again, no Darby, you know, no Sting. Um, I, I just don't think Matt Hardy brings anything. I love the Hardy boys. I love Me. Matt Hardy. The delete thing, uh, when he was an impact. With was, it, it was with, hilarious, man. You know, uh. Meek Mahan, when he, you know, when he did all that at the Hardy Compound, that was one of the most, the, the, the most entertaining things that I will remember over the last 20 years. And there's just not a really a spot for him right now. What he's doing now, it just seems like he's a hanger on. It's like, Hey man, it's time to, you know, open a training school or and, go work the indie circuit circuit because I, I just don't know, man. I don't think it's working. And, Here's what's what's one of the problems I think I have, and I heard somebody saying this with some weeks on AEW because they try to be so nice to the roster. Hey, you you get a turn this week. You get a turn this week, right? You're on this show. Let's give you a word. But it'd be so much better as if you just sort of had a tier. Like there are a lot of people in the WWE or you know that sometimes you don't see because they're on main event, and then and then you'll start to see them and they'll work their way up, and that's fine. But right, like on this show, it felt like there were two. Really important things that happened or feuds or segments, and then everything else felt like it was so far down the card. Or, yeah, uh, let's be honest. What 
we, we leave the Matt Hardy promo, okay, and we go into the Kings of the Black Thrones and Death Triangle match. Which is fine. The match is, like, work is good. This is like a tag team feud. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with any of it. It just starts getting, like, a little convoluted again. There ends up being a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Crowd was nuts for Penta. They really sure. were... We're hot for him. He's over. He's over in AEW. Majorly over. And I'll say this: like they're new, they're at least a little bit more intriguing right now than the tag team champions are. Uh, <laughs> you you brought up a great point, which they're not on TV again this week, as far as a the match. They are in a promo, right? Jungle Boy is backstage with the gun like thrown into the snow, <laughs> right? Which okay. Um, they're not in a match again on Wednesday night. They're not in any match this Friday night. Um, as of right now, we only have two little uh, segments for next Wednesday night on Dynamite. I, I, just put the belts on them. Are, are, look, would you would you rather have the belts on King of the Black Throne, Kings of the Black Throne, or would you rather Danielson and Moxley be your champions? And where is Eddie Kingston? I don't know. I'm just throwing I think, stuff around. I think now. I think he's hurt. Okay, I do think Kingston's hurt, and we're going to get it in a second because that that feud has kind of felt a little weird and convoluted. Um, Okay, okay, so we Adam Cole. Oh God! Why again? Every time now you've got to do the roll the footage, Cutler roll, Cutler cut, Cutler cut, Cutler. I know that they like they like to have the whole hey, this is why we're filming backstage. But now it ends up getting too much. Like every time you say that or do that, it's like, okay. Now, because then what I'm doing is, why do they do it? And then why afterwards do we see Chris Jericho show up and he's not telling somebody to turn the camera on or turn it off and he's just there? <laughs> I'll just say this say what you want. I have nothing against, I, I, I like Adam Cole. He has gone from a main eventer to a mid card guy. He just he, he has. It hasn't been great. It really hasn't. If you want to watch Adam Cole wrestle, you're going to turn it on Friday nights, and you're going to watch him work mid. T- you know, I'm not saying Orange Cassidy. He had the main event last week or whatever. And those guys had- wrestled like they have a good wrestling matches. The the spot at the end was just all all time bad. I mean, are, it was brutal. Are you excited about Adam Cole and Evil Uno on Friday night? Oh. But no, Adam if Cole you're going was supposed to, to be that. in here, we thought Ad- we were going to get Adam Cole, Cody, Adam Cole, Kenny, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, got- Moxley. We had remember all the dream matches that we had listed for Adam Cole. He's had a jungle, been- Jungle Boy, and Orange Cassidy. That's what we've had from him. And you're going to get Evil Uno. And after you go through AEW, the rest of the card, other other than the first match in the main event, you only had four matches. You have four matches for Rampage. Three of them. Should have been on that show last night. Look, I'm sorry, Nyla Rose and Ruby so- Ruby Soho has been. This is, this is this a is weird future. spot for Ruby. Her? I mean, oh man, it looks like they're trying to get behind Nyla again. Which, uh, you know, okay. I mean, that that's fine. I I do think Nyla's improved a little bit. It'd be from where she was a couple years ago. Uh, the Ruby stuff. You brought her in. You made it seem like such a big deal. This is something that if in if an independent promotion or WWE or NXT. They've got the guy from Rancid out there in the in the audience with Ruby. She he sings her song. She walks over and he's like smiling and and then she loses. 
match. It's like, what do you do? I would say the same thing anytime. Like, he should have been in the in the ring afterwards celebrating and kind of mock singing the song with her. Yeah, I agree. Or she comes back afterwards just like she did before, and she's standing right next to him on the ramp, on like where he was standing by the, uh, you know, right there in the audience, in the front row, and she's singing it with him. Six. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a cool visual. They could have played that as a clip moving forward. I don't know. Since I'm, tapping out to Brit, she's been nothing. She tapped out to Brit. She lost clean to Jade, and now she lost again clean to not to Nyla. And yeah. and here's my issue. So you know, not, Nyla's coming out, and I will mention that this was something that they mentioned on on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I think it was last night that I was listening after after uh, Dynamite because Jimmy Corderas, who was a, a WWE referee for a long time, he was on the show, and he said. That's one of the things that kind of frustrates him when he watches AEW is that so Nyla comes out and Jim and JR says Nyla and Vicky have been a great team. Nyla has won 80% of her matches since Vicky has been around. I, look, I'm a sports guy, so are you. I love those kind of things. Like I love it. I love when they mention how Bianca Belair has been the longest in the Royal Rumble now for the last three years. Like I just I love those little things because there's something you could but here's the problem. AEW Wants to be a super serious promotion They want to have all these numbers They want to have all these st- stats Yet the referees Literally let anything go Like there's not anything And and that was really bothersome for Jimmy Corderas Because he's like I love how they're so serious About the numbers, the stats The problem is I watch a match And they're not DQing someone So how? why does it matter What happens if you know, if they let anything go, or there's a spot that's right in front of the referee and it's just not well done. Like, you know, he was telling stories about how Vince got so mad one at one point because the heels were taking were getting really lazy that he told all the WWE referees if they do something, if they're lazy with like their pins, if they don't get their shoulder up at three, if they're doing something right in front of you, disqualify them or count them and they'll lose the match. <laughs> he told the referees to ref like a shoot just to start to, just to start to prove <laughs> yeah okay i swear i'm let me tell said, you something little mate cordera said i know that these guys uh, you know he said vince kid i yeah. know that they're intimidating but i'm the boss i pay your <laughs> paycheck so right He's, i pay your paychecks i'm the one you need to listen to and i don't let care what they say it's and he so said gets lazy DQ yeah. his big ass. <laughs> there were a few times where the heels were getting lazy and and they you know they would disqualify them. And and it's it's funny because you you have referees who don't care about tags, who don't care about countouts, who don't no. care about disqualifications. And then so Nyla gets the win clean, clean. And yet in the main event the reason why you and I both love the main event and the reason why the main event was so done well done was because of all the refereeing stuff was because yeah. the ref saw MJF with the choke him the first time. And then the ref didn't see him use the ring the second time. Like it all makes sense. Look, when you like, it's supposed to be legitimate that way. It's so simple. It's so easy. And, and it's good when you do it like that. Who was the help me out here? Cause I have so much going on in my head. Who was the ref in the main event? It was the ma- the the ma- the male. It wasn't Aubrey, right? Because it, it was Aubrey. not Aubrey. It was the yeah. other guy. Aubrey yeah. drives me crazy because she's too. I think she wants to be too cool. 
too cool. Just kind of let everything go. Like let yeah, things go and, a little and, too much. And very robotic and very, you know, animated. And, you know, uh, yeah, the, the main was perfectly done. It was beautiful. It was awesome. So he exactly. brings up a, Jimmy brings up a fantastic point. And, and he's saying this as a, it's not like a, I love WWE, hate AEW. He's saying no, it as a rap. Was, yes. And he, and he was ripping on the officiating in WWE too, because he says that, and he won't tell us what, but it's funny. He said he can notice that some refs have a tell when the match is going to end, like when they're actually going to count to three or when they're not. I mean, you've probably seen it through the years. I am too. You could see sure. where some of the refs cut their hand, you yeah. know, when they're like about to come down for three and you know that they're not going to hit it. But He's like, I can tell. And then I'm like, oh, that match isn't going to be over. Nope, it's not <laughs> over yet. Nope, you know. It, so he was kind of a cool uh, person to hear because you don't hear like referees kind of tell you that much from that perspective. But um, a few things before we talk a little bit about the main event, which more we did get. Um, oh, that that was when we got the Hangman Page who said he's only defended the title twice in 81 days, which it does feel like he's been cold. Feels like longer than that. And he says he doesn't give a shit about being a Texas death match next week. He wants something tonight. He started talking about how there's snow and maybe his flights are going to get canceled. I don't know what he was saying, really. And then, then we get Lambert, who comes out. Lambert calls Paige, you know, soft-ass cowboy. And then Jake, poor Jake. Oh, man. I don't know what the hell. He was saying, he said, like, fear? Fear? <laughs> And a fear and something. And it was like, what? I don't. How to do? I, what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. And so Lambert, who was getting cheered earlier, now we want him to get booed. Booed. Yeah. Lance Archer just grabs the mics and's like, everybody needs to shut up. Shut <laughs> up. You shut runs, your mouth. He just runs to the ring. It's like the old, you know, it's what you're supposed to do when you come out of the curtain as an indie performer. It is. Come on, whatever town you're in, get on your feet. It so is. the hill just says, you, you, you shut out. You, you shut, shut out. Shut up, fat girl. <laughs> you know? Was, that was just, <laughs> oh, man. It, it was, he grabs the mic and he says, I don't care if anyone likes me or not. Next week, I'm world champ. That would not be, that would not be good. And it's no, not it because wasn't. And it's not because Archer's bad or anything. It's just this. There's nothing personal about this feud. He, he's called him a goofy cowboy, and, and Archer it hasn't been built very well. And and Archer had been gone forever, and he comes back, and he's the number one contender. He comes back, and he takes 15 minutes to beat Kazarian, who gets beat in every match that we've ever seen, and now he's the number one contender. <laughs> it's, um, the the MJF Punk though, it was. Man, I tell you, they got me because. Yeah. This yeah. match started at 9.15 or for, So um, yeah I guess 9.15 um, in, in, in the two hours So with the 45 minutes left before it ends at, at 10 o'clock Sure And at 9.30 Like 15 minutes in They looked like MJF just got a clean win They did They, they, yeah. did, the, they did the old like Drop the arm three times You know that, yeah. like, that, And then on the third one the, the, the baby face guy will start to build back up And then he'll get Hulk out up, brother. He'll hulk up <laughs> But then the third time, Punk's arm just dropped. Yeah, it did. And I was like, no way. It did. It did. Oh, my gosh. He just beat him. I couldn't believe it. I was like, and then it was beautifully done. We yeah. see that when the ref raises MJF's hand, it uh, the, the tape drops. So he had been choking him 
out with the with the tape. <laughs> and so then MJF's like, no, no. And the, the ref restarts the match. And then we end up getting a a really solid like this was Punk's best outing by far, right? 100 percent No doubt about it. In the ring for sure. And what I loved about it is Punk and anytime a match restarts, it's like, ah, okay, Punk's gonna win, right? No, he doesn't end up winning. We we still end up getting MJF cheating again. Even Wardlow, who comes out there and you're wondering if Wardlow's gonna get involved, what he's gonna do. We don't even realize that Wardlow snuck MJF the diamond ring. Right. And and then the referee is trying to get Wardlow out. MJF punches Punk. Punk gets knocked out. MJF gets the win. And then after the match, we see in the camera angle critiqued a, a lot of things on this show. But I, I thought this was very, very well done. The way they showed it after, the way they restarted it. MJF should have been the guy to win. Now, if you Go put MJF with with Paige, please. That'll wow. just feel like way more interesting. He's gonna make it way more intriguing, and then you can come back to this with put Punk. Maybe maybe you go have MJF win the title. Honestly, right now, Paige isn't well, as as over as as hot, and then you could come back to Punk as the babyface chasing MJF for the title. Uh, we talked about this last week. Who needed this win more than anything? And we said MJF, you know, MJF probably shouldn't have lost to Jericho, but uh, this was monumental for MJF. And if they look, the guy needs no build because he's great week in and week out. I will say this with consistency. MJF has been a part of AEW the last 25, 30 Wednesday nights. He's always been a major part of this show, whether he's in the ring doing a promo or doing that that silly dance thing that he did with Chris Jericho. Remember when they teamed up? That was very entertaining. He's been one of the, if not the best part of the show week in and week out. Mm -hmm. So if you don't take him now and automatically shoot him up to the top, you know, uh, so next week we have Hangman and Lance Archer. The following Wednesday night, if this show is not opening, with MJF promo saying, I beat the greatest of all time. Your your boy, CM Punk. I want the title. If they don't go that that route, uh has to be. Has because to be. if you continue something with Punk, it's not going to do it it the second is never as good as the first. No, and end you it, I like I like sometimes when AEW doesn't do the the like what WWE does and do with the match four, five, six times over and over and over because Absolutely. Absolutely. because it would be perfect. On honestly, I do feel bad for Hangman Page, and this is something that you and I said when it happened was that it wasn't. We ended up finding out he left because of personal reasons, right? He took time off. His wife was having, um, you know, a baby, and he was going to have sure. a kid. But sure. the way he got booked right before that, at the end, when he left and he had to come back, I. It, whether it was his fault, what whether whose fault it was, whether it was just unfortunate because of bad timing, that time in between took a little bit out of him. He's he's cooler now than he was, and then right away he wins the title. We always knew whenever Hangman Page would won the title, people were going to love it and they were going to go crazy for him. But then what happens next? Well, then you put him in a match with 
A guy that everybody was cheering That was a baby face You made Brian Danielson turn heel And then you have them have a draw He doesn't even beat him In his first title defense And so I just I don't think they've handled The the page stuff well since he's won I think the stuff before he won Was probably not as much their fault As maybe we were wondering like What are they doing? What are they doing? Okay, we found out he left because he was having a kid Un- Sometimes it's just unfortunate Like right now He does not feel remotely on the same level Of a star as MJF Not even close And I say this every week I think I have and I'm going to say it again They missed the boat Not putting this title on him the, As soon as this promotion opened I I, I get Chris Jericho Being Your the first big, name they're, guy you they're, know. they're big I still, if you're for the indies, want the indies, and you want the hot guy, Hangman Page should have been your first champion. If you want Chris Jericho to take it off of him, do it. Fantastic. I just think they missed the boat on this. And again, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I said about Big E. Adam Page with this title has not been cool. Now, look, here, here's, what's, here's what's a little different about the AEW crowd than WWE Universe. Next week, Hangman Page and Lance Archer will probably have a, a bloody, fe- you know, fest, and the some of the AE, most of the AEW fans will say, "Oh, this is the greatest of all time," or whatever it is, and they'll will forget about some things. But after that, then what's next? You have to go with something hot, and it will only help Hangman Page get will- him back up with MJF because he will make him so much better. You can't do this. Can't be Rocky Three, where no. you've got Mick setting up Rocky with a. <laughs> what do you mean, Mick? They was bums, Rock. They was bums. I set them up for you, Rock. They was bums. You know, we, can't, <laughs> we can't have this. You know this. We we need the Mister T's. We need Paige to go after Clubber Lang right now. Yeah, we don't need it. Do we need a Thunder Lips anywhere no, in between? Thunder Lips in an exhibition match. You know, none of this. But Ooh, I, what do you mean? That, that's the problem that boxing has. A lot right they don't oh, have God, yeah. Like your oh, best yeah. it, Your top stars never fight No, They like never fight And AEW we In WWE sometimes they do The opposite where they fight too much Yeah and, true And in AEW now they've kind of gotten this thing Where they're not doing it enough We need to see Adam Page Interacting with MJF, CM Punk the, Those top tier Guys the guys that I'm are the telling most- you Joe it just hurts. I know this is their model, and it's the same with Impact. This hurts promotions who don't do uh, a lot of pay-per-view type events. Mm-hmm. It just it just does. You have to build for Wednesday nights. Yeah, it carries over to Fridays, but we know Fridays is not a uh, you know. I'm, I'm not talking about SmackDown. I'm talking about Rampage. Fridays aren't near as big or as important. I'm sorry, as Wednesday nights. And it just, I, I don't know, not having these pay-per-views as often as WWE has, I think I think that hurts them. I think that hurts them a lot, and I think it hurts a lot of these people on this roster a lot, too. Koopaloop, my man. It's always a blast. We had a lot to discuss this week. News, Rumble, stuff, AEW, and every week, Chad Cooper will be here with us. 
Talking this week in wrestling Everything going on in the world of wrestling Koopa Loop, my man, you stay safe over there It's like oh. 80 degrees one day And then it's <laughs> freezing ice the next day And there's like wind stuff I know they cancelled the races uh, Sam Houston, Oakland all weekend long So stay inside over there Man, Mr. Freeze, be careful Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm going to bundle up uh, Make some degenerate bets uh, I've there been go. doing well on on hockey totals and nice. player props, but let, let, let again, look, I, I, I give kudos to you, uh, not just because I'm talking to you, um, but each and every week, I, I, I'm sorry, there are a lot of great podcasts out there, but some of the things that we touch on and talk, and this Royal Rumble preview, I had so many positive Feedback messages from this thing That yes. it was so good That was a high rated show I will say it, And what was really cool it, is that Most it, of the, the shows that we do Are um, when I put shows out It's usually wrestling Football, horse racing Like a little bit of everything And that was like a solely wrestling show And that had a lot of A lot more people listen than I would have thought On a show that was only This week in wrestling and previewing the Rumble It was fun man and it was. We, we'll was. work hard and we'll have a good time, but you know what? We will be honest and we'll share our opinions and some and we'll make predictions. And you know what? We're just gonna we really like to share what's inside of our head when it comes to uh to our wrestling fandom. And I'm I'm lucky, Koopa Loop. I I asked you uh, a couple years ago now, come join me once or twice, and it became just taking advantage of you every week on this weekend wrestling, man. It's like one of my favorite uh favorite couple hours of the week to catch up with you. Hey, and look, you're not a bad handicapper too, because I remember about three this week in wrestling ago. How no, not three. How about four? How about a month ago? We talked about the Super Bowl futures. You, we were both on them. You like okay. them too. Yes. We just went down the list. Tennessee's a fraud. Kansas City, eh, you know. Where's the real value here? The Cincinnati Bengals the at Bengals. plus 3,500, baby. Look at this. The even Bengals. if you don't like Joey B, even if you don't like these guys, there they are, man. There they are. The freaking Bengals are in the Super Bowl now. Cashed a nice little one last week, plus 800 on the AFC. I think I ended up getting them around 18 to, uh, to win it all. So thank you for that, Koopa Loop. And uh, oh, when, as we get closer, we'll start talking a little more college basketball too. We'll, uh, oh, yeah. In some yeah, of these absolutely. weeks. So we'll, we'll, we'll start talking a little March Madness and stuff too as we're, we're getting there. Koop, my man, have a fantastic weekend, buddy. We'll talk again real soon. We'll see you next week. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more to discuss on this episode. That's what she said. Great stuff, as always, from Chad Cooper. Koopa Loop, my man, Koop. And thank you so much to Samantha Perry for helping us out for the first time. And she will be back here with us uh, as often as she can. We'll have to talk some more races with her. Craig Milkowski, who you've heard on this show many, many times. Thanks to Craig for helping us out with Gulfstream Park. Folks, I hope if you're, uh, you're... You know, weather is crazy out there. Please stay safe, stay bundled up, stay warm, and uh, kick back and watch some of the, uh, the the races and the great sports happening this weekend. We'll be back next weekend, and we'll start talking tons of Super Bowl. Bunch of different guests. We'll preview the game. We'll break down both teams. We'll look at all the different props, all the ways you can bet the game, and we'll continue to have awesome racing coverage. We'll start shifting into NBA real soon and college basketball. So, after next week, we'll have college basketball, NBA stuff every single week. We'll be checking in, and we'll continue to bounce all around. We'll uh, 
know, we'll pick back up with the, the final two. What well, we've got two more episodes of the Book of Boba Fett to discuss, six and seven. So we'll have episode six for you early next week. And then racing will begin at Sam Houston now on Wednesdays. So they're going to have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday racing coming up four days a week for them. Always so busy here the way we love it. So much to uh, to get involved in. So many different interests. Hopefully all of you have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk again real soon. Yeah.